evening, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle, at dinner time, if you will. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till 8 p.m. So whatever you're doing at the moment, hopefully you're on your way back from the airport after a nice President's Week vacation, maybe. Or maybe you're sitting in that traffic that going into the George Washington Bridge and the Jersey side like I just was. Well, whatever it is, I appreciate you tuning in to the show right now and throughout the evening. And we are here in the Big Apple. Connor and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio, a.k.a. the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. And you know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones at 877-337-6666. And as always, we will load them up with your best, most well-thought-out takes only. And hey, maybe you're still on your way home from the Knicks game. If so, give me a call. Uh, wasn't a great one. you know. But you know what? Speaking of great ones, Patrick Ewing had his number retired at the Garden 19 years ago tomorrow. So, which is why I sit here today with a number 33 on my T-shirt. And unfortunately for the Knicks, um, you know, a team that whose identity just last year, and I guess at the beginning of this season as well, the identity was, was defense, defense first. And they gave up, I mean, 125 points today. That's like an all-star game score almost. So Knicks fans, we'll talk a little bit later about this, but but is it time? Is it time to pack it in if you're a Knicks fan? And uh, the MLB Players Association and Major League Baseball, they are right now still meeting, still. So hopefully by the time I come off at at 8 p.m. tonight, we'll, we'll have an update, a big update for you on that, hopefully. But they are meeting as we speak down in Jupiter, Florida, for the seventh day in a row. And Connor hit it. We are still... Yep. Oh, no, no, no. Here we are, the day 88 of the great baseball lockout of 2022. You know, in last night's Open, I talked in extensive detail about the minimal movement that occurred after Friday's minimal progress. And if you, you can go back and listen to the whole thing. If you t- go on Google, type in WFAN on demand, it'll come right up. But foolish me, I guess. I, I just, I thought that the arrival of, not just the arrival of, but the meeting between Rob Manfred and Tony Clark was going to just be the kick in the butt for the conversations and just put them into a meaningful overdrive. The two heads getting together, not only being there, but meeting together for about 25 minutes Friday night. It was a modicum of hope. Instead, late Saturday, as we talked about on last night's show, late Saturday, the players' union threatened to walk away from the negotiating table. The union felt that it made uh, an extensive offer on Saturday. And the owners rejected it. And the players, according to multiple reports, wherever you get your information from on Twitter, whichever, um, you know, whichever reporter you like. And and by now, I've come to know who is more on the player side, who's more on the owner's side, and who kind of shoots it right down the middle. I've been following this at every turn. But according to multiple reports from, from all of those, some of the players apparently were so furious that the, the, the owners just nixed their whole plan, that they some of them wondered if they should start booking flights home. Not what you want to hear if you're a baseball fan. And if I see 
another poll that asks, which side are you on, the owners or the players? I'm going to lose it. I I am going to lose it. Because the finite details are nearly impossible for an outsider like you and I to piece together to offer solutions at this point. Like, each side is letting out their own rhetoric, their own dribs and drabs of information. Reporters are putting out tweet threads, then issuing quote tweets of those tweets correcting the mistakes in the original tweets. I mean, it's all too much. And even me, originally, I I still, I guess I still am one of the, the most interested parties in this entire saga, right from the jump. And even I've become a little disillusioned by this whole thing. I have no idea who to believe, which numbers to believe, knowing that while the numbers may appear to be closer, a backdoor proposal might also be in the works. We saw the players' union try it last week, and we tried. We saw the owners try to do it just yesterday. And what I mean by that is this. I, I, I think they were actually close on Friday to settling the, the tanking and the draft pick issue. And in very... Overly simplistic terms because there were many other parameters surrounding this scenario with revenue sharing teams, non-revenue sharing teams, competitive balance picks based off of team records. See, that's the minutia that we all don't even still full know about without sitting in their rooms ourselves. Which I said, why I said it's impossible to just pick a side. But in overly simplistic terms, for a sport that never even had a draft lottery. The two sides can't agree on how many teams would even be in it. The owners said six. The players all along wanted seven. I mean, really? Close enough, though, like, right? Well, that was until the owners, like politicians in these big bills that they try to push through, the owners tacked on to that a 14-team postseason format. The players wanted 12-team postseason format. And around and around we go. Then a nugget nugget from John Heyman, 10 a.m. on the dot this morning. 10 o'clock this morning on the dot. Said, is a tweet, contradictory to all the negativity upset surrounding the MLB players slash MLB slash player talks, one person involved said he believes the sides are still, quote, within striking distance and a deal could be done tomorrow night. Luxury tax remains a sticky issue, but a 225, 230 million threshold should work. That from John Heyman, 10 a.m. Zach Pritton responded 89 minutes later, and he wrote, that is not accurate. And then Heyman, quote, tweeted a response and said, not everyone is so optimistic, obviously. Zach is a very smart guy who has been in the room all week. I just think there's room to get a deal done and too much to lose. So as my source said, it's possible. Is he realistic? We shall see. And again, here we go again. And you've got reporters camped out, you know, looking through the fence, I'd imagine, And here's a report from Chelsea Janes, and she wrote just now, dark clouds are rolling in over Roger Dean Stadium, dot, dot, dot. Well, that's an omen. Is that not an omen? (laughs) I mean, really? They've got these guys walking back and forth across the parking lot with notepads going on since 1 p.m. today. And Chelsea says, uh, Chelsea Janes says, she's from the Washington Post, she says, uh, sides have met twice today so far. That was an hour ago. So maybe something can come of this, and you know what? We'll be uh, we'll be right here until 8 p.m., so hopefully something does come of it that we get to talk about. And so we wait. And you remember when Rob Manfred said that missing regular season games would be a disastrous 
outcome for this industry. That was a quote. Well, we're just about 24 hours away from their self-imposed doomsday. And another angle I wanted to bring into our discussion today. Throughout these conversations, MLB has asked for a change in how on-field rules are implemented or, or changed. Like, we're talking all of the things that may or may not make the on-field product better. Maybe the pitch clock. Maybe making batters stay in the box during the at-bat. You know, things like that. And under the right now, the current system, the commissioner has the power to implement a formally proposed plan after one year. It didn't say season. It said year. MLB proposed a system this time around, just whatever day it was. I'm losing track of the days. They're all blending together. But, but sometime this week, MLB proposed a system where the changes could be made, those kind of changes, within 45 days notice. And then approved only by a committee made up of six management officials, two union reps, and one umpire. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But the players reportedly, quote, reacted negatively to it. There is a player locally that that I can't imagine would go along with another entire year uh, with a particularly touchy subject, which is the shift. So cutting through the silence in baseball this whole week with actual baseball stuff, not union stuff and negotiating stuff, was a common complaint among Major League Baseball hitters. This time, most recently voiced by Yankees outfielder Joey Gallo. He said that in terms of defensive shifts, as a quote, you have to fix the game a little bit, end quote. And there hasn't been much by way of baseball transactions over the past couple of weeks. And once those this gets ratified and those gates open, as Kim was just saying, it's going to be crazy. So until then, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the actual game itself, especially now undercut or underscored by the owner's proposal that rule changes could be implemented within a 45-day window rather than a 365-day window. So my question to you is, and before you, you know, gut check reaction, does Joey Gallo have a point? Because I'll tell you right now, I am the leader of the so just hit the ball in the other way train or the just bunt the ball to the entire left side of the field train. I am the lead, I'm the conductor. Which you know, I did pay close attention to Joey Gallo last season in particular. I watched with my own eyes as he did put bunts down to the left side of the field. I mean, through at least the end of August last season, Joey Gallo led all of baseball in bunt hits. So here's the full quote. So there's no misunderstandings and no selective quotes here on this show. Gallo said, I get the defensive strategies. I do. I'm 100% not against that. But I think at some point, you have to fix the game a little bit. I mean, I don't understand how I'm supposed to hit a double or a triple when I have six guys standing in the outfield. End quote. Now, we've talked on this show about him having four guys in the outfield. We've talked about that. I saw that with my own eyes. And then I was like, six? Is that actually true? Or is that just like an embellishment? So I looked. And there was this egregious shot. That I, I grabbed. It was a screenshot of a game, and I and it just I just put it up on Twitter. I'll do it on the breakout on Instagram and on Facebook. But um, it was a game from 2000, 
and 18. Joey Gallo's Rangers were playing in Houston against the Astros. There were exactly six fielders. Like he said, there were exactly six fielders with their feet on the outfield grass. And, and actually, the first baseman, who was uh, Yuri Gurriel, he, he might as well have just been on the grass as well. I mean, he was that close. So that would almost make, and it, you're like two feet away from having all, all, all of the fielders playing on the out, on, on the dirt. I mean, on the grass, on the outfield grass. So like, and I got the screenshot up on Twitter if you want to look real quick. I'm trying to put it up on Facebook, but it's just, it's not showing up in my photos and it's a whole big thing here. But um, let me see. Let me try one more time here. Oh, here it is. I got it. Okay. See what happens when you stop talking and trying to do this? So, uh, so if you go to at Coach and on Twitter, same thing on Instagram, and then Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, you'll see what I'm talking about. The Astros positioning against Joey Gallo at the plate in 2018. And I want you to take a look at this because I, I, think, I think he has a point. I hate to say it. Really. I, I, hate, I hate to say it. In this particular bat, the one I posted up online for you guys to take a look at, um, he grounded out to where the second baseman should have playing, who, you know, was actually, it was actually Correa in that spot, the shortstop. But a month before that, a month before this ridiculousness, the Astro played him with, with four outfielders because they pulled up Bregman back to play, like, left field, I guess. And then the remaining three infielders played to the right side of the second base bat. Then I got really curious, and this is this is where I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but you're going to benefit by it because that season, that 2018 season that I just talked about, those two instances, and I'm sure there were more, that season, Joey Gallo finished in the top 1%, the top 1% of hitters across the entire league in barrel percentage, exit velocity, Max exit velocity and hard hit percentage. The top 1% in the league. That tells me that guy was knocking the snot out of the ball. But his batting average for the season, 208. On base percentage, 312. Something in my head is telling me that something is just not adding up. So, okay, that, that's the Gallo story. But what about what a Yankee legend, a real Yankee legend, had to say about the change of the game in baseball? Well, I'll bring October 6th, I interviewed none other than Derek Jeter on the red carpet of his Turn 2 Foundation gala at Cipriani on Wall Street. I asked him about some of the rule changes at the time, and, and he, I didn't ask him about this. He, he volunteered this information, okay? He said, this is a quote, I like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I like the runner at second base, although I don't know if I would if I was playing. And he kind of gave a little smile. And then he added. He added. I didn't ask. He added. He said, personally, I don't like the shift. Get rid of the shift. Derek Jeter, to me, on October 6th. It was then, that night in October, where Derek Jeter, who I emulate from my own position of shortstop still to this day in my women's league, Derek Jeter, who is a baseball Hall of Famer, who is now a minority owner and CEO of a professional baseball team. If Derek Jeter said that to me, well, 
to me, it was worth looking into, worth turning over in my mind and considering it from a larger, wide-angle view. And it was that night, October 6th, where I started to think about my hardline stance on not banning the shift and maybe start to change my opinion about it. And I think it's fair because if my my evolving opinion on this matter also coincides with the data. Because Jason Stark from The Athletic, he reported that, and these are all regular season figures. In the year 2013, there were 6,900 shifts. Last season, there were 59,000 defensive shifts. The number of defensive shifts over, what, the past, I don't know, eight years, whatever that is, they are eight and a half times more frequent than they were back in, in 2013. And that's not that long ago. And in just over the past three seasons alone, the frequency and the number of defensive shifts has exploded exponentially. And it's a, f- a fascinating article by Jason Stark of The Athletic. And if you're a big fan of the game of baseball, it's thought-provoking. It's extremely well done. And I think, I think all of us baseball fans, you know, fans of the sport, fans of the game, I think we all want to see more excitement from the game. I think we are all, you know, single-minded in, in that goal. We want to see more excitement in the game. Not that it has to move faster, but it just needs to be more exciting and more engaging. There's a difference there. So let me ask you, how does that occur? What brings excitement to the game of baseball? Hits, base runners, runs. Remember that chant you used to do in Little League, you know, before you ran out on the field and it was always, hits, runs, scores. Remember that one? Well, it never was. Strikeouts, walks, homers. So let's get back to that. Let's go back. Let's go back. So I was so adamant for so long about players just learning to hit it the other way. They're professional athletes after all. And they still, over all these years, can't figure out how to do it. I do believe they're trying because it's affecting some of them, their bottom dollar, their, their contract, their bottom line of their contracts now. Uh, that What's his name? Point Scott Boris pointed it out with Bryce Harper a couple years ago. And I was like, yeah, pff, okay. But I'm starting to see it. And in that article that I've referenced before, Freddie Freeman addressed it. Freddie Freeman said, everyone's like, just hit the ball the other way. Um, so I'm trying to cover five pitches. They're all moving. One is like 98 miles an hour, and I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want and hit a ball to the left side? It's not that easy. I wish it was, or I'd do it more often. That was Freddie Freeman, and guess what? I believe him. I want you to think about all of the action that we, the fans, have lost out on just last season because of the shift. Just last season. Baseball prospectus, his name is Russell Carlton. He found that for the first time in any full season, left-handed hitters saw more pitches with the defensive shift than without one. Then, this is, uh, this is back in uh, the original article, Jason Stark's article, more than 51% of all balls put in play last year. Balls put in play, 51% of them, not counting home runs, regular hits. They were hit into the shift. 51% of all balls in play were hit into the shift, gobbled up. 
So how does that translate to number of hits? Well, 4,802 hits were taken away by balls hit into the shift just last season alone. That means 4,802 less base runners. A marked decrease in game action for sure. And of those 4,802 hits that were taken away by the shift last season, Joey Gallo was tied with Max Muncy for second place on that list of most hits taken away, 29 of them. And Freeman also said this while offering a solution. He said, you've been taught your whole life to hit a line drive up the middle, and now you're out. So maybe if they eliminate that and they keep the shortstop on the left side of the bag and continued on, that's it. That's it. You keep two fielders on the left side of the bag. You keep two fielders on the right side of the bag, the second base bag, that is, and three outfielders. You play them wherever you want to play them, but they have to stick to those parameters. I think an adjustment is needed, not an all-out ban. Because hitting the ball up the middle is exactly what you're taught. From your dad taking you to the batting cages, putting in coin after coin after coin into the machine, telling you, put it right back in the hole where it comes out. Look where it comes out. Put it right back in there. And then to your coach, including me, I still do it. Pitching to you from behind that special net on the mound. Hit the net. Hit the net. That's what I tell the kids. Hit the net. And then I duck out of the way when they do, and, you know, I almost knock the ball thing over. But it's good. It's, hey, I always stand up and applaud, and I say, hey, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Why? Because we've been trained since we first picked up a bat to do that. Because that's where the hits are. Well, I guess not anymore. Especially when you get to the major league level. And Rob Manfred said, quote, it's not change. It's kind of a restoration, right? That's why people are in favor of it. And they do believe, and I think front offices in general believe, that it would have a positive effect on the play of the game, end quote. Which is why, in my opinion... And circling back to the current CBA talks, which I hope we get some some news on that while I sit here with you till 8 p.m. I think that because they can't agree on pretty much any policy or any dollar amount, actual changes to the game are obviously definitely going to be ignored. Which is why I believe that Rob Manfred and the owners are pushing real hard for that 45-day window and, and committee to make rule changes to the game at any point after the CBA is, is mutually agreed upon and ultimately agreed upon. And not have to wait a whole year to do it, rather a 45-day window. I think it's a great proposal. I think it advances the game, or has the potential to advance the game. And look at that. Some vision from a commissioner who has turned a blind eye to many things going on in his sport. A little bit of vision. And as I stand right now, I've been convinced by the data. I've been convinced by current and former player testimonials. Derek Jeter directly to me a couple months ago. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Really, I really can't believe I'm saying this. But it's time for Major League Baseball to not ban, but adjust. Adjust the shift. The defensive shifts. They are 59,000 times used last season. It's out of control. And if you do so, you might restore some excitement back to the game that you and I both love. So let's get it going. I've set the table for you. Can't wait to talk to you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCarden at Dinner Time. Welcome back to Danielle at Dinner Time here on The Fan in New York City. Look out the window. It's still light out, everybody. Woo! Uh, one thing here. This is from Shams Charania. While I was doing the Open, Connor was on top of it. 
This is a tweet. He says, New York City will lift the key to NYC vaccine mandate on March 7th, assuming the numbers stay on track per Mayor Eric Adams. But Shams is told that the private sector mandate still restricts, ready for this, still restricts Kyrie Irving from playing in home games, although he could enter Barclays Center as a spectator. Well, on what, in what planet does this make sense? I mean, I'm all, I, listen, you know my feelings on Kyrie Irving, but I'm kind of sticking up for him here. I mean, how could you enter Barclays Center as a spectator, but not as a player? And, 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 and furthermore, visiting players who are not vaccinated are allowed to play in the games. Like, how, where is the justification for that? And listen, I am not a fan of Kyrie Irving, but this does not make sense to me. You know what? I, I was just joking with Connor. What he's going to do? I if 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 Kyrie Irving has a little bit of a sense of humor, you know what he should do? He should enter the Barclays Center as a fan with the Bobby Valentine disguise. I think that if he has a little bit of sense of humor, I think he could endear himself there because this is just this is just ridiculous. I don't understand. I don't get it. You know, at this point, if you're going to lift it, lift it all together and let the guy play. I mean, really. All right, let's go to the phones, 877-337-6666. In the order that you called, Kevin and Camden, you are our leadoff caller of the night. Kevin! Uh-oh, Kevin! Hey, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, phew. all right, good. I was just about to hit Tump. What's up? I'm uh, I'm good, Coach. How are you? I'm good. I wanted to, because you were, you were talking about the shift, and I want to bring this up real quick. It kill, you're right. It does kill careers. I want to bring up one specific point. Yeah. Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter. Okay. Uh, 2016. Good. 2000. Uh, hold on. 2016, 33.8%. For him. 2017, 60.5%. 2018, 83.4. So the point is, it's, it's killed his career because it's pole hitter. It just kills careers. It has a potential it, definitely to do that. It does, and that's, I think that's the biggest deterrent for that. But I, I also want to I also want to say, and I agree with I agree with Freddie Freeman. I agree with you, and I agree with Freeman in that point. But I also want to say this: I, I don't trust Manfred. I'm sorry. I, this is you, you. You put your trust in a guy that listen. I know this is rehashing, but this is a guy that for Houston, he couldn't even issue proper sanctions against them. Correct. I mean, really? Do you really trust this man to do anything right? I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not optimistic. I'm just, I don't know. I want to be optimistic. I just, it's hard with this guy. He hasn't exactly had a great track record so far as commissioner. Well, he, this according to him. who's devalued his own trophy, yeah. commissioner's trophy, calling a piece. And I just don't trust him. And I don't, I don't trust baseball to get anything done on time tomorrow. Yeah. It's probably not going to get done. And you know what? It's just. Well, according to him, Kevin, he thinks he is the best negotiator in the entire world. I mean, it's happened before. We we all know he's not. Let's let's, let's be real. He's not. But as a fan, I'm I'm still going to watch. But I'm telling you, this is just, it's very frustrating to to just be reading this. And it's just like, as a diehard fan, you know, know, I'm still going to watch. But it's just, this is just, it's too much. Uh, Kevin, I get you, and it's just it's it's the it's the feeling of the saturation now too. It's like okay, I've had enough. I've just been uh, beat down by all these numbers and all these guys, 
you know, backdooring each other with different policies. You think you're close. You're not close at all. And there's a point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to go find my, my stimulation elsewhere. I'm going to go watch. I'm going to try UFC. Uh, I'm going to get really into basketball. I'm going to try hockey. I got someone asked me if I wanted to do curling the other day. I think so. I'll sign me up for it. I think I'm going to try it. It's just, I think a lot of people are at that point, and it's not just you there, Kevin. To Astoria, and Lou, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how What's are up, you? What's up, Lou? Good, how are you? So, listen, don't get upset at me today, right? <laughs> don't call me an automatic out there, Lou. We got a deal. No, 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 stop with that. All right? You're going to disagree <laughs> with me today. I mean, Uh-oh, all right, tell okay, me. Okay, Joey Gallo is a bad example, okay? Uh, I don't care what anybody says, okay? He has video that he can see down modernly. Let me tell you something. You are a very young person, Ted Williams, Willie McCovey, okay? And in today's game, which, you, which you, you've been watching, Trout, Juan uh, Soto, they don't complain about the shift, okay? You, uh, as a coach, I'm pretty sure you do that because I, I play semi-pro. You teach your hitters to go where the pitch is pitched, to hit the pitch. I mean, to, when the pitcher throw the ball, mm-hmm. you go, you, you go, you go you, that's what you go with. You don't pull it. You don't try to launch angle it, mm-hmm. okay? So, Joey Gallo, let me tell you something, and you said something very important, that he had a few hits bunting, took advantage of the shift. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would not hit 160 like he did for the Yankees. He would probably would hit 150, okay? Well, last season, he, he almost led the league in, in, in bunt hits there. So, That's what I'm saying. So, which, which, he which... actually got, got, got a, few, a few points because... He bunted it, okay? Uh, don't hang up on it because I want to talk about the next. But, Lou, how are you supposed to hit a double or a triple when there are literally, literally six people playing in the outfield? Listen, listen to what I got to say. You got to make contact. With, with Gallo, you can see the outfielder, and it's going to be a strikeout, okay? It's not a big deal. I mean, I don't understand. Wait, and you mentioned Gita, which is an idol. I don't want to put him down because he's your idol, too, and you don't, you don't want to put him down. If they have the shift on Gita right now where they put four infielder, you know how he hits, but you know what? I don't want to go there because he's an, he, the guy is an icon in, in, in this city. Right, so, and, so and I don't want to put him down, Lou, okay? It's got, it's got to wait for something, right? And that's what started my, my evolution of this thought process. I understand. And you love Gita. I don't want to go there because I don't want to get you very upset. But let me go on the next, okay? Richard from Manhattan today made a call when Kimberly Jones was on, okay? I mean, he has a lot of trivia. I love that, you know? He comes out with this, with that. Mm-hmm. But to tell me that if the Nets win the championship this year, it's the greatest thing ever that ever happened in New York when the Mets in 1969, when, when the Rangers won the, the cup. I mean, I, what is he smoking? I, I, I don't know. I, I cannot get that. I mean, right now, the 76ers, 76ers with James Harden is the most watched TV. They're probably going to be the champion. To me, they're the favorite. Yeah, I, you know, I think I mean, so too. I mean, what is he? What what is he smoking, uh, Daniel? How can you? I can. How can Kimberly Jones agree with that? And Kerber Urban, he. You know what he said about him? He's one of the great. He saw last last night game. He's one of the greatest players that he ever seen play the game. Mm. Is he crazy? Well, Lou, probably a little bit. I don't think Kyrie Irving is one of the greatest players. I didn't hear the call. I was probably it probably was at the end of the show because I listened to most of Kim's show today. I think it was might might have been at the end. Um, and I was just coming up the stairs here uh, at the elevator here, so I didn't hear the call. Can't speak for any of that, but I can speak to the fact that Kyrie Irving is not one of the best players that I've ever seen in my life. And um, you know, I consider myself an average basketball fan, 
But come on, he's got great handles. But I don't think he has a love for the game, passion for the game, and I think that's quite evident, actually, in his uh, most recent body of work and the amount of games that he's played in, we'll say. Should we take one more, Connor, or go to break? What do you think? One more? All right, let's go down to Delaware. And Jim, you're up on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you, um, Jim? Good, good. Hey, I, I agree. The, the shift has absolutely ruined the game for me. And I, I believe it's also led to the more swing for the home run and strike out mentality. Because you get a guy like a Joey Gallo or, or you know, another slugger, I'm I'm tired of seeing them hit hard line drives yes. to the out to the outfield yep. and get either caught or thrown out at first from the outfield. So so in their minds, why hit a great line drive? You might as well go for the fences, which is going to lead to either more home runs and strikeouts, right. which has slowed down the game. Right. Exactly. And it's it, and it's not exciting. Uh, you know, home runs are exciting, it's but not, not not when it's the only hit available. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's not exciting, and 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 you know, as Freddie Freeman says, it is not as easy. You, you got a ninety-eight, ninety-nine mile per hour fastball coming at you, and you also got to watch out for the curve and slider. It's not that easy to put yeah. the ball in play to mm-hmm. the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if it was that easy, the, the players would all be batting four hundred if they could all do it. Right. I mean, and, and guys getting Hall of Fame it, within their career averages are what three something. It, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, the shift has just it, it, it ruins it. I hate seeing a guy get thrown out at first base from short right field. Um, it, again, just just make a simple law that you have to have two infielders on each side of second base. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to put your left field, if say you got left-handed batter up. If you want to move your left fielder over to short right field and have three outfielders on that side, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yep. Leave left field exposed. Yep. But have your infielders, two on each side. I agree, Jim. And, and on the dirt, yep. too. Yep. I agree with you. And, and listen, it's, it's, that's not, it's not like we're banning anything. It's, we're going back to what – I can't believe I'm saying this, but quoting Rob Manfred here. We're just going back to, to the game that, that we grew up playing. I mean, I don't coach Little League Baseball, but at the high school level, there are no shifts. We don't play with shifts. Maybe we should start playing with shifts. Maybe these kids can, you know, because all up until that level, you're, you're taught, hit it up the middle, hit it up the middle, and all of a sudden, boom, up the middle is no longer an option. So you're kind of like, well, wait a second. I, I have to do what now? Put it where? Against what kind of a pitcher? With how many pitches is he throwing at me? Listen, I know the hitters get paid, too. I know the hitters get paid handsomely, too. And I and literally, I, I can't believe I made this this cataclysmic kind of change in thought. Like, I'm not saying ban any defensive shift, as he was just saying. Just modify them. Like, like we all used to play growing up. Put two fielders on the left side, two infielders on the dirt, on the left side of the second base bag, and put two fielders on the dirt on the right side of the bag. And do whatever you want to do with your outfielders. Put them in a triangle formation for all I care. But this whole thing of infielders, it's just, it's just too much. And, and, and it's... And, and I, and, all these people that are on Twitter, too, I got 20-plus mentions right now. I'm trying to go through them on the commercials. But don't you want to see action back in the game of baseball? Don't you want to see hits? Hit 4,802 hits were taken away last year by the shift. 4,802. That's 4,802 less base runners, less, I don't know, 
first to third scenarios or, or whatever. What All kinds of action on the base pass was negated 4,802 times because there were defensive shifts put on. Modify them. We'll continue this shift, this talk, discussion about the shift. Uh, I'm Daniel McCartan with you till. Welcome back to Danielle McCartan here on The Fan. Danielle, at dinner time. Well, we've been having a spirited and lively debate about the uh, about the, the shift. And while that has been going on, uh, Chelsea Janes, who is the national baseball reporter for The Washington Post. Uh, let me just hit refresh on her Twitter feed here because there's two things I wanted to read for you. Whoa, now there's a few more things. Uh, she said before that the dark clouds were rolling in over Roger Dean Stadium. That's her tweet. And yes, there were dark clouds rolling in. And then she said... It has started raining in Jupiter. Pull the tarp, which I thought was quite funny. And then she said, word from the fans outside the parking lot is that Scherzer and Simeon left for the day just a few minutes ago. Their cars are gone, so I have no reason to doubt that. That was 10 minutes ago. Um, and then she said, there are no other signs of things breaking up for the day just yet. Ken Davidoff says Scherzer had intends to return tonight. Simeon has a flight to catch. Okay, so as we sit right now, they are still at it. Meeting started at 1 o'clock. It is now 5.50 and 16 seconds. So we'll see what's going on. And um, I'm trying. I am trying to keep up with the, all now the DMs and the tweets coming in. There are a lot of them and the phone calls. Oh, just a lot. Apparently the shift is such a hot-button issue here. But, but the thing is, in the beginning, I was like, they're professional hitters. Put the ball the other way. Simple. Easy. But how many years have we been doing this now, saying the same thing, and it's just not occurring? So at what point do you have to stop and say, okay, there were 4,802 hits taken away. Excitement taken away from the game because of these ridiculous defensive shifts. At what point do you say, you know what, let's just not ban it. No. And and Gallo's not saying that either. And I'm not, this is not, I'm sticking up for Joey Gallo. I'm just sticking up for the game of baseball here, everybody. I want to see excitement again in this game. Tired of this, the home run, the strikeout, and the walk mentality. I'm tired of it. But when you literally have six guys playing the outfield, where are you supposed to put it? Someone just sent me a graphic. I didn't get a respond yet. Uh, back to my one. Uh, you could take a, I, I tweeted it, at Coach MCCARTAN, of the six outfielders playing, um, the Astros outfielders playing Joey Gallo as he was at the plate in, in, uh, in their stadium, but as a Texas Ranger, Someone wrote back. I asked, where, he goes, you could, you could put a double anywhere in here. And I'm looking. I guess, Mar- and he sent it back to me. I guess Marwin Gonzalez is supposed to be a stationary fielder. Like, you know, on that foosball table, he just, he just spins around. Maybe, I'll give you down the line, maybe. But everything's got to be perfect to, to, to put one down that way. It's got to be an outside pitch, uh, first and foremost. And it's got to be somewhat straight coming in. You think the pitcher's going to throw that? They also get paid. The pitcher in that, in that scenario is going to hammer the inside of the plate, hammer the inside, hammer the inside, and get him to, to pull the ball into the six fielders on that side of the field. Or seven. So, yeah. Let's go to, uh, I think it's, is it called uh, Guilford? Guilford, Connecticut, Martin? Did I get that right? You did, Guilford. All right. Guilford, all right. So, so before I get to the shift, none of these changes today being discussed are as radical as the designated hitter implementation whenever that was about forty some years ago. So it's not these aren't really radical. They mm-hmm. can do them. And I have and I have two things I want to say if I can. 
Um, one, the as far as the enjoyment of the game, the pitch count and the batter staying in the box is far more important than the shift. This game goes on at a crawl sometimes. And I've been watching baseball a couple of long time. So That's pitch number count, one for me. Pitch count meaning yeah, the, what? The, the like they're clock, taking out? The pitch clock. Oh, the clock. I meant pitch clock. clock. I'm sorry. Pitch okay. clock and staying in the box. My bad, mm-hmm. Daniel. No, and regarding this, Martin, yeah, I'm ahead. just saying there's a difference between, and we talked about it just a little bit, there's a difference between speeding up the game and making the game more exciting. Okay, I have a way to do that too. It's kind of a compromise. It's not quite getting rid of the shift, but it's going to help Max Muncie. I can tell you that. I've seen about every one of his at-bats mm-hmm. lately. Um, you can put the infielders wherever you want, but they have to stay on the, on the uh, dirt. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that's a hard thing. No, no, you're saying that they can. you have to be two infielders on the left side. I'm saying you can put them on the right side, just have to keep them on the dirt. Uh, no, I don't, shots. I don't like that. I don't like that. That's kind of a compromise, Danielle. No, I think the compromise is you keep you could put your guys wherever you want on the left side of the bag or the right side of the bag. The compromise isn't just putting them all on the dirt on the right side. Are they going to line up on in the base path? What if there's a runner no, on no, first I'm base? No, no, I'm saying I'm saying you can put them anywhere. I'm saying you can put the second, the third baseman and the shortstop on the right side if you want. You're advocating that they have to stay on the left side of the second base. Yeah, because I'm looking at the graphic of of Bregman and Correa and Altuve and and, and the first baseman whose name is escaping me, Guriel. Uh, they're all that's that's exactly what you're saying. They're all on the right side on the dirt. Well, Bregman's right on the edge of the dirt. It's just no it's, Manny Machado. That's not correct, Danielle. Manny Machado is, is 50 feet behind uh, the dirt in the right field, grabbing up balls and throwing people out. I'm saying you can't do that. Oh, I'm just looking at the graphic that I tweeted just before. I'm just looking at well, that yeah. particular no, no, snapshot. No, no, I'm saying I'm just giving you an alternative. I don't think you're quite understanding exactly what I'm saying. You're but, saying you know, that's okay. you're saying put all of the infielders on the dirt, no matter no, where. No. Uh, align them any way you want. Correct. On the dirt. Correct. You don't have to put them. You can put them on either side of the bag. It doesn't make a difference. But I'm worried. What, the, what really drives me crazy is when they hit a line drop 60 feet behind the um, the dirt and he throws the guy out at first base. That's the real robbery. And you won't you won't see that anymore. Like a short fielder scenario. Yeah. That, yeah. That'll be gone. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, there's, there's, I just, I don't agree with it. I understand what you're saying. I don't agree with it. It's just. I'm I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now, and and still you're still leaving the the entire left side of the infield exposed, and, and it, it doesn't fix anything. John in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Daniel. What's How, up, John? Um, Long time listener, um, second time caller. I called back um, on on Conceive's passing. So oh. Um, only call when I when I feel strongly about something. Enjoy your show very much. Thank Long you. time listener, fifty nine year old New Yorker. Thank you. Um, I watch all the major sports. I definitely wanted to comment on this shift. Mm-hmm. My opinion. Um, I think baseball is uh, an amazing game in that the uh, length that they made the bases, the um, rules that they originated with. Um, made the game pretty perfect from generation to generation to generation. That it still works is pretty amazing. Um, I think it aided in breaking itself over time. And if you give me two seconds, I'll I'll give you my reasoning. Sure. uh, Baseball adapted through a dead ball era, Mm -hmm. um, through many years ago when the fences were so far back that the ball just kept going Mm -hmm. between the outfielders. And I think what happened was we went through a steroid era. We went through a lull in baseball before that. And you had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa Mm -hmm. um, bring the fan back. Right. And 
Then steroids were taken away. But in that generation, they realized that the home run produced money and put fannies in the seats and people on the television watching television. Um, and they overdid it. And they brought the fences in on all the new stadiums. And they livened the ball. When they livened the ball, all the pitchers are throwing 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. The batters from Little League on up were learning how to hit home runs. Even the little guys who couldn't hit home runs previous generations were hitting the ball over the fence. Right. It had more to do with the ball than the human being. So they took the scenes off the ball. It went faster. It traveled further. Money was made by the home run. Everybody from Little League on up stopped hitting the ball the other way. The little guy tried to hit home runs. They also shrunk the strike zone through that process. Mm -hmm. So now you have everyone swinging for the fences with a live ball. You end up with many more strikeouts and you end up with um, a lot more home runs and nothing in between. And you end up with a whole generation of ball players that don't know how to hit the ball the other way. So baseball finds itself in this position where the fences are too close, everybody's swinging for the fences, and we've lost interest as a fan base. Because there's no action. To me. Yeah, John, I got about about 30 seconds where I have to go to commercial, but go ahead. All right, and I'll make it quick. The original rules were eight men in fair territory, and they're always worse ships, depending on the pitchers and their different capabilities. What they need to do is deaden the ball, and it'll take a generation of ball players to learn to have to hit the ball the other way to make a living. Yeah, well, John. And that will get rid of your shift. Well, John, that was the thing. That, that was the thing. How many years have I been on the fan? Three. Three years I've been here? At least three years that I've been here, and I've been filling in before that. That was my position up until I'm declaring it today. That, that has been my position. Learn to hit the ball the other way. Learn to hit the ball the other way. You are a major league hitter. Learn to hit the ball the other way. Bunt the ball. It, then it... it, it um, it makes the defense play you uh, straight up. I've been saying it and saying it and saying it at nauseum. But now when I look at the data, 59,000 defensive shifts were implemented last year in 2021. The game is as boring as ever. I'm sorry, it is. It's as boring as ever. And and let's start to do something about it. Let's just try it. Let's just try it where it used to be where you had a third baseman and a shortstop to the left side of the bag and a second baseman and a first baseman to the right side of the bag. Can we just go back to that and just try it and see what happens? See how much more exciting this game would end up or ultimately being? I'm telling you, 4,802 hits were taken away because of defensive shifts. 4,800. Starting to get a little hungry here. 6.01. I had two slices of pizza around like... I don't know. What time? 1.30, I guess. Starting to get a little hungry. Just a little bit. Wonder what's for dinner tonight. Or what everybody's ordering. I don't know. I do have some little bites. Or maybe I could just wait till I make it home. I don't know. But whatever you're eating at this uh, this Sunday dinner edition of Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan of New York City. Sunday dinner. La Cena Domenica. We are in a deep discussion about this shift, which is fine, which is fine. Um, lots of people have really strong opinions about this, but can we all agree that we just want to make baseball more exciting? 
I can't, and and I, I can no longer defend a defensive shift so egregiously that 4,802 hits were taken away. I mean, really. That's kind of like, uh, that's kind of like a lot of action missed in the game of baseball. Kind of like a lot. So, hey, hey, we'll go back to your calls. 877-337-6666. We've had a changing of the guard behind the glass as Connor packs up, puts his backpack on, and waves goodbye. We've got Brian McKeon, who is already on the phone, taking some calls, which is great. <laughs> He's giving me a fist pump. All right, everybody, so let's get back to the calls. Let's go to, uh, in the order that you call, of course, Blauvelt, New York, and Rory, you're up on the fan. Uh, I just want to go back to one of your takes earlier on uh, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I think it was uh, a little disrespectful, your take on him, how he, your question of his love of the game. I don't know if you saw last night the way he embraced his father after that game. I don't know how you see that clip. And I, well, I don't know how you see him de- defy, flat out defying uh, the team rules and going to a birthday party and having to sit out uh, for an extended period of time. How, how do you defend um, that? Well, I don't get how you sit in this position and question this man's mental health and all this stuff. Oh, no, I'm not questioning mental health. I am not questioning mental health. Don't get get this twisted here, Rory. Come on now. How do you justify the man who goes on a a free-for-all during COVID quarantine, breaks team policy, league policy, for to go to a birthday party for his, whoever it was, sister, niece, whatever, on mass? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. He can't go to his sister's birthday party? Like. As an employee of the NBA during that time right? period, there, Rory, no, he cannot. Part when he wasn't even playing at that point, Rory, he had a he had he 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 had to sit out an extended period of time because of it. Do you think he right, knew well, what he was but, doing when he was doing that? Well, this isn't even the point I was trying to make. I'm trying. Well, to no, say, no, no, Rory, you 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 asked me if I can how how can I question the guy's love of the game? I gave you an example. You can't answer it. But who are you to sit from your position? You don't know the man. Do you? No, but you hear players who actually talk with him and play with him on a daily basis, have played with him in the past. You hear these takes come from all these media sites having these. Tell me one quote from a player who can justify the fact that that Kyrie Irving is uh, dedicated to the game as, as you think he is. Um, mm. take a look at anything Kevin Durant has said about him. Oh, yeah, Kevin take Durant, who's his current LeBron teammate. About him. Current teammate, take really? At, how about, you know how about, how, why is the reason James Harden left? Rory, why do you think James Harden left? Why do you think James Harden left? I think James Harden left because he wasn't getting the star treatment he was getting in Houston. He wasn't the number one guy. Nah, see, we disagree on that too there, Rory. Well, if you see the Brooklyn team, I watch every single game. That team. If I see the games, Rory, come on now. If I see the games, really? Watch, well, go to a game, watch how that team revolves around Kyrie. I can't because he can't play at home. Where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to go? Have you seen it this season? Because uh, yeah, I haven't seen it this season. season in contact. There's two other seasons. What do you oh, mean? There's plenty God. of contact. Yeah, the bubble season? Were you down in the bubble? I must uh, have missed that no. one. There was deep, do you not remember him playing two full seasons? Oh, my God, Rory. What? Why are you saying, oh, my God? Oh, I can't. He played two full seasons. Uh, no, he did not. He did not. Um. Yeah. He played the year KD He sat hurt. out of the bubble season. He played, he played the year KD was hurt. Oh my God, right? This, this sorry, is bro. going nowhere. I'm you are sorry, you are a Kyrie Irving apologist. Good for you. I'm glad you no, love him I, so it, much, here, Rory. I'm just sick of hearing it from media sources, but questioning this, like you don't know this man. I have you eyeballs. Hear? I have eyeballs and a brain. I could kind of see it. 
right? And the reason why, Roy, I got to let you go, man, because this is ridiculous now. We're going around in circles. The reason why James Harden left, I'll tell you, I don't know, but I have eyeballs and a brain. I could tell you that he signed up to be the third wheel to this whole juggernaut here. And he, like a rat, saw the ship was sinking when Kyrie Irving has literally seven games left on the net schedule that he could play in as of uh, right now. Those games, and, and we'll see, because as of right now, he cannot play in any home games, as per the mayor of New York City. So right now, he can he has 33% of the games left on this schedule that he can play in. And oh, what happens then if, if the Nets get to play the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the playoffs? Well, then what happens? He can't play in the series at all. So the reason why James Harden left is he saw all of this, I think. he saw, If it were me, this is what, how I would do it. I saw all of this going on, and I'm like, listen... I'm out of here. This is a sinking ship. You know what I mean? Come on. A little disrespectful to Kyrie Irving. Come on. I'm not... You just read his actions. Just read his actions. And yes, he... And questioning whether I watch the games or not. Come on, man. He looks very energized this season. I'll tell you that much. But that's what happens when you play in 33% of the games, I guess, right? Dave in Westchester County, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? That guy was a real trick. I don't yeah. know much about basketball. I know when you break the rules and you got you got to quarantine for ten days. Congratulations! I, I saw that uh, you're playing with Boomer. Yes, thank you. And and who we met before? You probably don't remember me. How do they call you a automatic out? Yeah, is, <laughs> I'm a former player. That's like you saying like. Every show you're gonna do is gonna suck. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> for some people though, Dave, that does happen. <laughs> Hey, you know what's an automatic out? If half the infield is on, on, on the right side, and I, and I caught at the high level. I played semi-pro ball in yeah. uh, Dominican Republic after I played car. Listen, I'm, I was a catcher. Uh-huh. You are not going to hit the ball to the opposite field if I bring you high and tight. You That's can't right. do it. It's you just, it's not possible. I know. It's not possible. These guys, these guys are so pinpoint. First of all, and I'll, and I'll just get your comment. The reason why they're never going to get rid of the ship, I'll tell you why. The pitchers love it. Mm, I know right? they do. Yep. The pitchers, the pitchers love it. The hitters hate it. The infielders love it because they, they get off the field and they win the games. And you know what? It doesn't matter because the people are in the stands. The owners don't care. So mm-hmm. if you have three different angles yeah. where they're not going to fight it, it's never going to happen. I mean, I love watching. If you go to YouTube, I love watching. Today I spent the whole day watching uh, the World Series from the 40s and up. When Terry got up, they did the shift in the outfield. That's like when I when I play first base, the, the, I'd rather catch than than run in on a bun. Yeah, and the guy can swing away. So why don't you put the right fielder between the first base and the catcher, and let, let and, and then let him, let him feel. It, it makes no sense. But you know what? You're never gonna have, and I, and you sound great. I'm gonna catch some of those games with you because um, I hope we put it puts you at short. Hope we doesn't put you in right field. That's insulting. Then I have to call Boomer and bust his chops. Yeah, you but do listen, that. I, <laughs> listen, I can't wait to watch you play in the field. I'm glad you got picked up. And the thing with uh, the guy with the – listen, I'm, I'm in my profession right now where a lot of guys, they do certain things and, and they have to get quarantined. We don't pay them. Yep. They, they shouldn't have paid them this year. Forget about – you know, it's like playing half the games on the road. So what? Mm-hmm. So? Yep. And Harden, Harden's smart. He's a genius. He goes, you know what? I'm not going to be somewhere where they're not going to force the rules. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he did a great job today. And the Knicks? I think it's a breakdown of the mental, the mental um, toughness, where they just start taking. They look like they look like high schools in the last quarter. Listen, thank you for taking my call. I want to get your comments about about 
What do you think about uh, the owners not caring because they're making the money? Yeah. Well, More Dave, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. You and I, we're going to keep going to games. We will. We'll, We're just going to keep showing up, and and that's it, and that's why they don't care. Um, The one thing I want to say is when we had that little exhibition game, a little practice, if you will, uh, Craig hosted it over the summer, and I was catching. I never caught a single pitch in my life, but, hey, that's what they need me to do. I caught. Evan was the pitcher, and guess what? Just because the knowledge of the game that I have being around it in so many different capacities over so many different years, um, I said, hey, Evan, we're going to – Evan's like, we got to have some signs. I'm like, okay. So he, we had three signs, whatever they were, I forgot. They are silly ones. And then, you know, in like the fourth inning, I was like, Evan, because he, he's actually a pretty good pitcher. So I said, hey, Evan, uh, softball, here's what we're going to do. If the – and I don't want to give away the secret here, but based on where the batter sets up in the box – and the first couple swings that he takes in, in the in the batting cage, I'll take a look. I'm going to put my glove where I need you to throw it, and you just put it there. And guess what? It worked. So the guys, the younger guys, guys my, my age, they try to pull everything. The key is you put your glove on the outside of the plate, and they, they it's called casting. They, they, they roll their, their wrist over, and it's a weak ground ball. Evan was blown away by it. Ask him about it. Call him up and ask him about it. He was... Blown away by that. He was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You're right. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. I've been doing this a long time. So, yes, it's not as easy as it looks. Not as easy. Uh, to Tampa. Hey, Rick, I was just down there in Tampa. What's up? Buongiorno, Principeste. How are you? <laughs> Buongiorno, Ricardo. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've, been, <laughs> I've been dying to say that to you. I, I call all the time but uh, on the station. I talk to everybody, but I've never called you. And I always wanted to say that. You know a movie that's from, I, right? I was just about book? to ask you that. Come on, you know. I know. know. I was going <laughs> to tri- catch you. It's uh, La Vita Bella. La Vita, no, life is beautiful. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, the, and watching it with the subtitles, and you, you got to watch it speaking in Italian because yes. it doesn't have the same when you watch it with the, you know, uh, when they have it dubbed. You know, totally. you to Rick, I know. I created a whole Italian cinema course for my school. I know. <laughs> and that's, of course, the, one of the first I show them. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, when I hear that and I heard you mention that or something, so I said, you know, when I call her, it's gonna, I'm going to lead off with that because you, let me just say this real quick. I, I just started following you yesterday on Twitter mm-hmm. because of that. What comment you made, I made the comment. I said, you jinxed the Rangers. I know. Night. I'm sorry. I did. did. I know. And, and you I said you were going to regret it, and you did. <laughs> I, I know. saw that. I'm like, you know what? <sighs> I'm calling her. I'm calling her. I feel so bad about that. I, you know what? I never put those tweets out there. You know, I just try not to because yep. it, it always goes south, and, and it did. And I'm sorry. I take the L on that yeah. one for the Rangers. Rangers. I'll take yeah, it away. I'll absolve it from them. Yeah, okay, good, because they better win tonight, because as a <laughs> Ranger fan, we're missing something. Yeah. We're missing a couple things. You're so, missing uh, a, a, a primetime scorer. That's what you're missing. Yeah, we are. And I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, but I live here in Tampa, and mm-hmm. I want Kucherov to come to New York, because mm-hmm. they don't want him here, and we would try to trade Lafreniere here for him and be set because he scores. The guy can score. And you know that's what? what we need. That's funny because I don't know if you heard the story. My my cousin got Kucherov's autograph on a Lightning jersey. So let's keep him where he is for now. <laughs> Make that worth some money. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a good guy. He, he buys his suits from me, so I appreciate him. But oh, yeah. I don't want him on. I'd rather have him on my Rangers because I hate the Lightning. Well, Rick, tell him that good. my my cousin and his two young boys are very very grateful for him um, calling my cousin oh. around the barricades to sign the the jersey for him. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Anytime you need anything, I'll get it sent for you down here. But, um, you know, um, what was I going to say about the, uh, well, I wanted to leave off with that and, uh, about the, the baseball, you know, I, I think it's got a, the, the shift and the thing that gets me is when you have, yeah, I love Paul. I'm a Yankee fan. I love Paul O'Neill. I love these guys commentate on the game. And then they say, uh, oh, you know, all he has to do is hit it, hit it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. If it was so easy for these guys to do, if they were, if they, if they started training themselves to do it, it could happen. But there's very few players in the last 20 years who could do that. And they say you just have to go the opposite way. So what does that mean? You have to start uh, when they're in college and high school saying, you know, have drills where you just got to go the other way. Yeah. Um, they make special you know, tees for it, Rick. They have special tees that, that yeah. force people to hit the ball the other way. I have them. They have to do that. And I think the shift should only be the shortstop and third base can go up to – they can go anywhere they want between the third base and, and second, second base. base. I'm with and you on that. first baseman and second baseman go anywhere they want. Between the second base and the first base. That's, That's right. the shift. All four want to hang out in the middle and talk to each other. <laughs> there you go. But that is it. Yeah. Agreed. Hey, Rick, that I'm going to throw you on hold. I'm going to grab your email address for my cousins down in Tampa, if that's okay. Yeah, please do. Yeah, because anytime you need to, I'm, I'm in with all the guys down here. Unfortunately, I don't root for them, but they're <laughs> friends of mine. All right, Rick, let me throw you on hold. And, and, uh, and uh, Brian, just get his email address, okay? All right. I think, did I do that right? Okay, great. All right, let's go on to, uh, yeah, we got time. Let's go to, to Brooklyn. Mac. You're up on the fan. Hey, how are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are you, Mac? What's up? Okay, I think this is pretty easy, and the NFL is kicking the butt of MLB. They should take a page from the NFL. Mm-hmm. Illegal formation. Yeah. You're a position player. Mm-hmm. Third base position, shortstop position. Correct. You should not be out of position. doesn't make any sense. I agree with you. Baseball, baseball is not taking care of their product. It's already dying from all the work stoppages over the last... 20 years, whatever it is, and now they're going to kill it by taking away the only thing you go to see scoring runs. The Mac, the thing is, illegal formation occurs in, in, in football, you're right. Illegal formation, right. I, I coach volleyball too. There's also something called an illegal formation in volleyball where players, you know, the, you get... It's hard to explain, but you know how baseball players get like numbered positions, like the pitcher's one, the catcher's two, right? You understand that? Right. So there's numbered positions in volleyball, too. And on serve-receive, though you can't, as a coach, you can't position your players so that your best receivers are always in the back row. It's called overlap. So it basically, it's an illegal formation as well, defensively speaking. So if it occurs in football, it occurs in a sport like volleyball, why can't it occur in a sport like baseball? I'm with you. I agree. I agree. If they don't do it, they're just going to finish off baseball because it's already evolving into something else, which they don't know what it is. But if the next generation doesn't go to see it, who's going to put on the TV where they get their money from the networks? Who's going to watch it? Who's going to watch it? Yep. I'm with you. And guess what? to see a bunch of one-run games. Exactly. Right. Hey, Mac, and guess what? The kids in my class, they're not wearing baseball jerseys on Jersey Day. They're wearing... um, DeMar DeRozan jerseys in basketball. Miami Heat. And I'm yeah. like, what is wrong with you guys? Not even a Knicks jersey? Come on, what's wrong with you guys? They're not interested that's in baseball. The thing. Yeah, that's the other thing. They better do these programs, get these kids involved early, because if they don't, it's gonna fin- they're going to finish it off. Yep. I'm with you. And, and another thing, yeah, and Mac, another thing is that, you know, as it stands right now, to be able to implement change to any of the in-game rules, it, it, it's, a, it's a year. It's not a season. It's a year is what I read. So in this new CBA, 
the owner's side is coming out and saying, well, wait a second. Since we're not going to get to any of these rule changes for at least another calendar year, at least, well, here, let's, let's propose a 45-day you know, you know, rule change by committee. There'll be player reps on there and umpire on there, and 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 let's let's start to evolve this this game in a sort of like a backdoor way to address some of these things. And the players are like, nah, they balked. Huh, I'm going to use a word there. They balked at it. Come on, man. James in Long Island, you're up on the fan. Hey, uh, I'm a first time caller in a long time. I just want to thank you for taking my call. Oh, thanks for making it. Uh- um, real quick, I'm just going to uh, do a short version. I'm a New York City police officer. I have almost 20 years of service. Mm-hmm. And in three months, when I get to retire, I have a Congratulations. position. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. In three months, I get to have a position at Yankee Stadium in the security industry. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are talking about, oh, the players and the owners, and, you know, we're not going to have baseball. A lot of people aren't talking about, a lot of employees are being affected. Right now, my career is on a delay here. <laughs> yeah. Basically, because of, of something like this. and. And it's because of maybe of a shift, and and they can be shifts in my direction, and you know. So I just hope that they really settle this strike because um, there's a lot of employees out there in all sorts of uh, areas that yep. are often going to be infected. So I just want to, you know, pray to the lords of the lucky stars or whoever is up there to get this thing going because uh, the time is ticking and Monday is just around the corner. Yep. And, and James, congratulations, first of all, and good luck with that. And uh, for your sake, I hope, uh, I hope they can get it done. All right. Thank you. And we talked about last week too, or yeah, last, I think it was Saturday night, all the ancillary people that are affected by this. And I know we have to go to commercial, but just think about a guy like him, stadium security worker, stadium concession worker, parking lot attendant, um, you know, th- those people also that, that make minimum wage to be there on game day. They might not have a paycheck coming in. They definitely don't. They're missing at least their first paycheck down in, in Tampa and, and Florida and Arizona. But if you're a stadium worker here in New York, whether you work at City Field or, you know, at Yankee Stadium selling the beer or whatever, you got to be getting a little bit nervous at this point about that source of income. You have to be. So I wish, again, and I appeal to the Players Association and the owners who don't really seem to care about the people making minimum wage in and around the stadiums. Think about the bars, you know, stands and all these bars that that can't operate, these independently owned bars. You know, small businesses are being affected by this as well. Not just here, everywhere, across every stadium, both regular season stadiums and spring training stadiums. Well, what a lively baseball discussion. We'll keep it going. Coming up, right? Welcome back to Danielle at Dinner Time here on The Fan in New York City. As I scarf down a a, a, a little bite, <laughs> chocolate chip flavored little bite. Um, you know, these are easy to eat during commercial breaks, and um, I got one left, so I'm getting a little hungry. <laughs> I got to eat something soon. You know, turn hangry. We had this lively discussion about the shift, about the lockout. Um, just, you know, I'm just scanning the internet on the breaks as well. Um, nothing. No news has been uttered from Jupiter, Florida uh, just yet. So we are standing by. We are awaiting any sort of news uh, from, 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 the, from either the Players Association or the owners to say like, hey, um, we made a little progress. That's all you want to see tonight. 
But do you think, you know, we're at the point where it is about, you know, 24 hours away from this self-imposed deadline. Will we be missing regular season games? I've said it all along. I'm going to go with yes. I don't think it'll be many. I think there's going to be, I think by the, so next week I'm on another Danielle doubleheader, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday evening, same as uh, this week. I think by this time next week, the Sunday show, I think there's going to be an agreement in place. That's just my, just my opinion. We'll see. What do you, what what do you all listening think? What do you think? Are we going to have baseball an agreement in place by this time next Sunday? My guess is this time next Sunday. We'll see what happens. I mean, I guess I'm maybe I'm a little bit overly optimistic. I don't know. But um, the fact that they are now getting together in terms of hours, the length of the meeting is now in hours and not in minutes like it has been in the past. I like that. And that they're staying on site since 1 o'clock today. It's 6.30. They're still there. And it's been that way over the course of the past few days. So um, they've got to be making some sort of progress. They're not just sitting in there looking at each other, are they? Oh, man, I hope not. Let's go to John in Middle Island. You're up on the fan. Danielle, how are you? I mean, I love your enthusiasm. Uh, Thanks. I have a question for you. Could you do? Could you do the other side of the equation for me? Um, okay, so the shift has taken away four thousand hits. Yeah, four thousand eight hundred and two. Huh? Four they took away okay. the, hit, okay. the things, the hits that were supposed to have been hits would have been hits. They took away, oh, oh, let's just say oh, 5,000 okay. of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, answer me this. How many, how many hits did the shift allow? 3,100, I believe. Okay. So the differential is what? 1,800, 1,700? Yeah. I mean, is that, is that significant in baseball? I don't know. Uh, it could be. It could, what about a momentous? It's situational. What if it's a momentous hit in a, in a you know late game situation that just gets wiped out by the shift? I mean, I think for me, I I, I would vote yes. I, I do. Okay. Well, I you know because uh, I'm a diehard Yankee fan and I've been watching the Yankees for 65 years and um, you know they they seem to be you know the the decent players on the Yankees. Um, have a tendency to, you know, hit the ball the other way when they're shifting on them. I've I've seen the Yankees get a lot of, you know, um, shift hits. Okay. So I'm I'm just like, you know, I think, you know, taking away four thousand, I think it's a wash. It's really, you know, I, it's you're making a bigger deal out of the shift than it really is. If they learn to hit the other way, it won't be a problem. See, you I know. know. It, it, John, I, I used to have that, that that mentality. I did. For three years, I've been talking here on the fan. All that, right? And then right. I'm thinking like, okay, well, at least they, they've had at least three years to figure it out, and they just can't. I just think the pitchers are just so good and better than ever that that the, the batters, I mean, Freddie Freeman said he can't do anything with it. He said if he could, he would. I mean, to me, Freddie Freeman, he's a pretty good player. Uh, to me, if he's saying that, I got to take that in consideration. Derek Jeter telling me in October, October 6th of this past year, that he thinks they should ban the shift. I mean, all of that coming together, and I'm like, well, wait a second. I can't pretend to know more than the, about this than these guys. Let me listen. And what I found was, you know what? Maybe the shift isn't the best thing. Well, I I mean, you, you make valid points, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I've seen enough if if – a professional hitter 
you know, and stop worrying about the home run, which is only like maybe 4% of mm-hmm. an offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they learn to take, make the strike zone more, you know, just hit the balls in the strike zone, stop swinging the pitches that are high and inside all the time and, and, and learn how to hit the ball where it's pitched. Don't try to pull everything. Mm-hmm. I played baseball all my life. So mm-hmm. I know, it, it, you know, if you, if you pull an outside pitch, you're going to ground to second. Correct. Or the ground, ground to short. Yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. So you just got to learn, you know, I played baseball all my life. When they pitched me outside, I hit it the other way. Or, right. You know, just automatically. Yeah. No, I, I get that. But that was 50 years ago. But I mean, you know. I know. But. But now, but now pitchers are throwing a hundred miles an hour on average. You know, it's 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 a different. It's it's just different. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that if we get back to defensively, what it was back when when you started when I when I played when I was a kid, defensively speaking, I think it's I think it's better for the game. You got guys throwing a hundred miles an hour fastballs, and then you got guys throwing eighty-two mile an hour sliders with ten-inch breaks. I mean, it's it's very difficult. I told you I told you the story the other night about how I struck out on a rise ball one time. I was a high schooler, like a freshman. And in summer league baseball, we were playing a game in, in Hackensack. I'll never forget it. The, the break on that pitch, I, 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 I swung. The ball was right there in front of me. I, I was expecting to make juicy contact with it. And all of a sudden, it was boom. The ball was in the catcher's glove. And I turned around. I was like, what the hell was that? She and the umpire laughed, and she said, "It's a rise ball." And that was the first time I ever got introduced to a rise ball. The break on it, I'm telling you, was at least ten inches, at least. So, again, I think we all, we are not we are undercutting or discounting how much better, more well equipped with just a game plan these pitchers are. And that's a conversation for another day with these driveline uh, camps and, 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 and all that. That, that. I think, well, maybe not. Maybe it's not a conversation for another day. These pitchers are, have grown exponentially better. The advantage is pitcher. The advantage is not batter. It never has been. But, but I think the divide is even more now. And, and a way to sort of kind of negate that divide is to not ban the shift, just amend it where – Six out, six fielders, seven fielders, all w- will not be playing on the left side of the bag. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I used to think it. And then I'm like, you know what? If all these players are telling me, or Jeter told me, Freddie Freeman said it in the article, there's got to be something to it. Richie in Westchester, you're up on the fan. How you doing, Danielle? What bothers me most, mostly about the shift is that it's so obvious and all these callers that keep calling and say hit it the other way hit it the other way it changes the game so much it the shift is heavy for toward left-handed hitters than right-handed hitters no one wants to see a short right fielder no you know you're never going to get an Ozzie Smith who's got to go and play shortstop and make these great plays because that's who would get the ball up the middle not some guy standing there and what bothers me more importantly is the MLB hired Theo Epstein to look into the game and yeah. how they can make it the game better for the fans. And this guy's afraid to tell them shift stinks. And the only reason why the shift exists, the only reason, is because teams like Pittsburgh, teams like Tampa, teams like Oakland, if they could not compete, they need this shift to compete. Or else, you know what? You've got to move the ball club out of Tampa. You've got to move the ball club out of owner. The owners of the shift 
because it would eliminate some of these teams from even competing. The shift stinks. It takes away the stolen base. It takes away yeah. guys mm-hmm. that the ball down the line, the ball up the middle. Where's Rod Carew? Where's Tony Gwynn? Where's Ozzy Smith? Where's those players? No one wants to keep this launch angle. Aaron Judge batting leadoff. The yeah. shift is the worst thing. You got to change it. They change the rules in football, pass interference. Yep. They change basket hanging in basketball. Yep. Get rid of the shift. Yep. Everybody knows it. Yeah, Richie, I'm with you. In great points there. You know, and I, I also didn't think of how it affects base running either. I mean, I'm not trying to steal second base if they've got the shift, uh, you know, so so severely to the right side of the field like that. I'm not I'm not trying to take second base. Or maybe I'm trying to to get a, a interference call as as they uh, as they're in the base paths in my way. I don't know. It's just there's so multifaceted different angles to this. Let's go to uh, Rockville Center. Brian, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. What's up, Brian? Hey, I got to tell you, I played. Uh, I, I played for Florida State. I played for the St. Louis Cardinals in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a power hitting catcher with speed, and I hit to all fields. Can you fields. can you replace Gary Sanchez still or no? <laughs> no, I'm almost fifty. So. <laughs> But I, I tell you, I take my daughter to the batting cages, mm-hmm. and I still get into the fastball, and I still do the same thing. If I want to pull, my left foot goes towards the plate. Mm-hmm. If I want to go to the to the opposite field, I open up my stance, almost right. like Gary Carter. Right. And 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 you know my hips are already open. Right. That said, I think that if if they're going to make an adjustment to the shift, I don't have a major issue with the shift because the shift can be beaten. The problem, the biggest problem is, let's just use a guy like Mike Trout, mm-hmm. okay? If you take a guy like Mike Trout and they shift him, just bunt down the line. Bunt down the line. Take it away. But I think if, if you're going to make a rule, if you're going to make a rule change, I don't think anybody should be able to go past second. I don't think you have two people. On the left side, two people on the right. If that's you what I'm play saying. Straight up the middle, I got no problem with that. That's what I'm saying. But I, I don't think that's a huge adjustment, really. I really don't but, think so. But but beat the shift. These guys, they're not taught the fundamentals anymore. I would be I interested when I, when I was Go ahead. No, when I was playing when I was playing ball, bunting was a major factor. You had a bunt like 10, 10 15 balls. Yeah. Every single time you got into the cage. Mm-hmm. Me too. They don't do that no more. Um, I've seen it, though. They do it. They do do it in the cage. I've seen it. Um, but I would like to know uh, what I was going to say is the next time, whenever we can get to a ballpark and whenever I can get a, another media pass, I, I would like to hit, talk with the hitting instructor of either the Mets or the Yankees and just see what percentage of your hitting program is focused on situational hitting. And how do you do it? That. I promise you, Brian, I will have that answer as soon as I get to a ballpark this summer. Yes, I will have that answer, I too. I mean, if, if, if you look at hit and runs, they don't do hit and runs no Yeah, more. I know. Yeah. That was huge. That yep. was huge. Yep. Well, Brian, you're, it is. And it, for me, all that makes the game exciting. It does. But don't forget, Joey Gallo, through at least the end of August last season, led the league in bunt hits. And in, in that initial inaugural season where – you know, he had he led the league in exit velo and all these these hard hit percentage, barrel rate, led the league. No, not led the league. He was in the top one percent of the league in four of those metrics. Means he's crushing the ball. Yet his batting average was like 
203, something like that, 206, whatever it was. That math doesn't add up to me. Hector in Washington Heights, you're up on the fan. Hector, are you there? I hear something. Hector. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah, sorry, you, you saved it. I was just about to hit the button there, Hector. What's up? I just did a little bad spot here. You might have to bear with me as I get out. Um, but I, I, I'm listening in, and a couple of oh, The first thing is, um, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, right, it's supposed to be pretty much middle of spring training right now. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be having spring training games, right? Uh, yeah. No, I don't oh. think games. I think the first game is supposed to be this upcoming Saturday, I believe. Okay, okay. Well, nonetheless, these guys are supposed to be at this spring training. Oh, sure. Right? Yes. I, I forget who it is. I think you said Trevor Simeon, who left the meetings because he had to catch a flight. And yeah. I just asked myself, like, a flight to where? <laughs> where are you supposed to be right now? I know. Like, what's more important right now than getting this thing resolved? And that's, like, that's what frustrates me. Yeah. Like, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm really frustrated with these guys. It really seems like, I, I don't know, I guess as you could say it's a negotiating ploy, but like, do they really care the, on both sides? I'm talking about, I'm just, you know, I'm just mentioning him because I heard it through the update and you mentioned it a couple of times that he was leaving or whatever. And it's like, come on, like, what's more important right now than getting these games back on or getting spring training going or, or whatever so we can start the season on time? I, I just don't understand. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Hector, your, your guess is, is really as good as anybody's. And you're right. That's a great point. Where is he going? <laughs> Where is Simeon going? And that was a report from uh, Chelsea Janes from the uh, Washington Post. She said that, uh, where is it? Oh, Ken Davidoff said, Scherzer intends to return tonight. Simeon has a flight. A flight to where? Good point. Great point, actually. And you know what? Not to change the subject, which which is this is a great topic, which we can continue to hammer this topic. I love I mean, this is baseball, at least it's something, right? But you know, I, I as I sit here in a New York Knicks t shirt, a number thirty three Patrick Ewing shirt, um Knicks fans, let me ask you a question. Knicks fans that are still clinging to hope that is. As the team is on the outside looking into a playoff spot, is it finally time to admit that it's time to pack it in? For the season. Knicks fans and baseball guys, you hang on there too. I'll get I'll get to you as well. But Knicks fans, I, I want to know, have you packed it in? Have you folded away your, your T-shirts and your jerseys yet? Are you done buying tickets to go watch the Knicks at the Garden? I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 8 p.m. here. On- hey, welcome back. I'm McCartan at dinner time. McCartan before midnight, whatever it is. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you guys tonight on this, uh, this three-hour show on this Sunday. The 27th of February as still as we are live on the air right now from lower Manhattan. The meetings are still going on, which I think is a good sign down in Jupiter, Florida. We shall see. Hopefully they emerge um, before 8 p.m. So we can talk about that as well. We can add that into the mix. We've had a lively discussion on the shift, which is great. Lively discussion on the lockout, which is also great. Um, I just want to just interject a, a little bit of Knicks here because the Knicks did play today. The Knicks did lose today. Kind of sounds like how that's been going, right? Uh, Knicks lost. Sorry if you didn't see it yet, but the Knicks lost 125-109 to to the 76ers. So, Knicks fans, is it time to officially pack it in for the season? Because 
And think about that that run last season. Tom Thibodeau being named Coach of the Year, locking Julius Randle into that long-term deal. Things were really looking up for the Knicks t- to enter this season. And now, off-season acquisition Kemba Walker has been shut down for the rest of the season, and not just shut down, but away from the team. Hmm. Julius Randle has not played anywhere close to his contract dollar amount. And then Derek Rose, who has not played in a single game since December 16th, suffered yet another setback, and he's going to be out at least another one to two weeks after a skin infection at the site of his bone spur surgery. So two weeks, I'm trying to look at the calendar, two weeks would be like March 11th against the Memphis Grizzlies, and he'd be along for just 15 more games after that. The reason why I ask if the Knicks are ready to pack it in, I mean, they've got, what, 21 games left with the fourth toughest strength of schedule remaining in the entire league. And then just when you thought that there would be a major paradigm shift, Major after that all-star break saying, you know, everything's on the Thibodeau saying everything's on the table, meaning like, hey, maybe these young guys are going to try to get some more minutes now. Maybe, maybe, maybe today you can point to it and say, okay, well, quickly, you know, got 26 minutes. But then you look at all the guys that are did not play coach's decision. Well, they only had four guys on their bench. They had nine players available today. And then the young guys, well, we'll see. I think uh, Quentin Grimes is out for what, two weeks? Partially dislocated kneecap on a non-contact injury. Yikes. And then R.J. Barrett after the game. I, I'd like to see more Grimes because R.J. Barrett is singing his praise. He says he plays defense. He shoots the ball. He switches. He does everything. And he's a great guy for the team. I'd be a little bit more intrigued to see a little bit more body of work from Grimes here in New York. But we got to wait. And then the Knicks have lost, I think it's nine of their last ten. Okay, so, I mean... They're, they're slip sliding away. And if you look at, let me pull up the NBA standings right now. They were 12th coming into today's game. Are they still 12? Yeah, they're still 12. But they're on the outside looking in. So, Knicks fans, are you packing the jerseys away, putting them in storage? Are, are you done with this team for the season? Because I think it's uh, I think it's time. They're on a five-game losing streak, slip sliding down the, down the standings. Again, one in nine over the last 10. Yikes. Yikes. And how disappointing for a team that had so much promise and had overachieved last season. I guess now we can officially say that the Knicks officially overachieved last season. Man, oh man. What could have been? To the calls we go. 877-337-6666. Valley Stream. Salvatore. Ciao. Oh, hey, Daniel. What's up? Um, I got something on the Mets real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, something I think Lindor's probably going to have a great year this year, obviously, because, you know, it's been a really tough struggle for the Mets, you know, how last season ended and, you know, all the things that have been going on. But I think Jacob DeGrom's probably going to pitch a gem this year, and I think Francisco Lindor is going to show some progress. I got one more point to make. Sure. So explain me the Mets point, and I'll tell you something after that. Well, Sal, let me tell you something. Uh, there is uh, not much worse that Lindor can do from from this year to you know to last year. So yeah. based on that, he he's gotta have a better season, right? Yeah, obviously. Um so one more thing. Um to, next Saturday, um do you know this guy named Adam the Bull? I want you to have him on maybe next week. Adam the Bull. I don't can you know him. him up maybe? He's uh he's a host in Cleveland? Yeah, it used to be on the fan twelve years ago. Okay. Uh, what am I gonna talk with him about? 
You could talk with him about the lockout. Maybe the Mets will report to spring training, maybe, if they try to show some progress, maybe. Is is he he's he's in Cleveland though. He's not in yeah. he's not in Tampa. He's not in Florida. He he's in Cleveland, but you could talk to him about the Mets, maybe. I would like to talk with him. I, I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna Sal, thanks for the recommendation. I'm gonna I'm gonna save him though for something um for something else. I got something in mind for him. And Adam the Bull, he's uh he's been on the fan before. Uh not with me, but he he's he's been on here, I think, as a guest. No, Brian's shaking his head. No. I don't know. All right, well, thanks for the, the suggestion, but I'm not going to talk with him about baseball because he's not there, and I like going to the source. And, um, you know, nothing against him. He's just he's just not there. I mean, I've got – I've been refreshing Chelsea Jane's Twitter feed. She's literally standing in the parking lot right now, beyond, right behind the fence. So that's kind of what I'm going for uh, in the coverage of that. Let's go to uh, Mike in New York. You're up on the fan. Mike, are you there? We got nothing. Hello? Oh, Mike. Oh, that was a quick quick save there, Mike. Good job. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I just left the restaurant. I I, I couldn't even finish my sauteed uh, broccoli rice with this lockout nonsense. Why? Is you know, it going uh, to make you sick? No, it's just I'm sick to my stomach. I can't sleep at night because of this, because of this lockout. You know, the Yankees are, what are they doing? What are they doing with Judge's contract? Mm-hmm. You know? And I've, I've heard, uh, I heard you were hating on the Knicks. Knicks, I still have hope. You do? You're in New York. How can you hate on the Knicks, Danielle? I'm not hating on the Knicks. I'm just being realistic. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But <laughs> there's this other talk of this, this guy coming on the show, Adam Naval, and I'll never tune in if you put him on, Danielle. He's not a good guy. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 All right, well, I'm going to have to do some more research on that then, for sure. Well, thanks for that little tip there, Mike. And I'm not hating on the Knicks. I'm not. I'm just being realistic. I'm looking at their schedule. they got 21 games left. And they have the fourth toughest schedule in the league, and they're out, they're one in nine over the last ten. It's it's over, it's over. I guess never say never, though, right? Now, come on, I guess I guess that's why they played a game. Let's go uh, to Woodlawn, Jared. You're up on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks for making it. Um, got two things. Yeah. Uh, you brought the next. So I'll, I'll I'll curb that. But when it comes to the shift, mm-hmm. and I've been on hold for a while, um, how do you compare the shift to playing sort of prevent defense when it comes to the NFL? Because that's really what it is. Are you going to mandate a change in rule that tells a coach how to manage – and play defense, Danielle. That's the big thing. And I'm not a fan of the shift. I'm a New York Yankee fan. I am a huge Jason Giambi fan. But this came about from Jason Giambi and, as we know, Madden. So do you think that that is really the biggest bargaining chip when it comes to the players Slash owners and this lockout. I mean, not I at all, that's... Jared. Not at all. No, 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 no. The reason why we're talking about this shift in such detail is that the fact that the owners proposed one of the days this week that that they want uh, a change to how rules are amended. They want a forty-five day exactly. window with a committee, not not a whole year. Like I think they get it in the sense that this game needs to change, right? And, and this is an offshoot of that because last night we covered all the financials last night in my open. If you want to go back and listen to it, but to your point, right. the, the 
you know, the NFL also has something called an illegal formation, right? An illegal oh, formation. So is that is that much of the same thing? Defense, right? For the entire game, or you want to blitz the entire game, why should that be something that is mandated or dictated um, by the specific league versus the way a team wants to well it already um, exists but my point is it already exists in the nfl like 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 for i'm looking at the rule book like for field goal like no more than 16 b players may be on the line of scrimmage on either side of the snapper of the snap i want to put all i want to put all my 11 guys but i can't because the nfl tells me i can't it already exists it's already there it exists in a sport like volleyball which i coach you know, I got called on it one time. I couldn't believe it. It was literally like a fingernail. These kids were doing overlap. A finger. I couldn't even figure it out. That's how. That's how minute it was. So it exists well, in other sports. A legal formation is different than mandating the way that a team decides to play defense. Why? Because if you have a shortstop on on the on the right side of the second base bag where a second baseman would be, that could right. constitute an illegal formation. Just like a setter can't be, it has to be between the the, the next two in, in line with her. Like if she's the the four, she's got to be between the five and and the three players. Uh, and maybe you're not, you know, nobody knows volleyball as, like I do, but you they can't be overlapping. So how can then maybe the shortstop, so which is a six, so, can't overlap so, the pitcher, which is a one. So exactly. So what you're saying is you would like a change to the rule book versus a change to the actual way people play defense as the rule book currently states. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. I would like, I would like, because again, like I said, this is Madden and Giambi mm-hmm. going back a long time ago. And Joe Madden, hey, I hope he's, <laughs> I hope he's swimming in it right now because this is basically what he decided to do <clears throat> when he was in Tampa. Yeah. Um you want a change to the rule book as opposed to a change in the managerial decision on how to play defense. Right, because if I'm a manager and it's not written down anywhere, then I'm gonna continue to do it. Yes. For of sure. Of course, of course, of course, of yes. course. Yes. But why not play prevent defense the entire time when you compare that to um, NFL, which is completely different? You're going to tell an NFL coach, I can't play prevent defense, which is a different lineup, even though it is, um, you know, not normally done the entire day. You're going to tell them. So, Jared, round and around we go. Uh, I think the point was made. If I'm a manager, I am going to exploit the rules as as they're written. And right now there are no rules written about that, which is why I'm talking about how they have a new committee set up, or the, the owners are proposing there be a committee set up that you can change things with 45 days of notice rather than a whole entire year. Change things, as in, like, the rules. Yes. Dominic in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. This is Dominic from Brooklyn. Thank you for taking the call. Hey, thanks for making um, it. <laughs> this shift thing is really uh, boring. All right? It's messed up. Thing. There's a simple way of, instead of being too uh, so much with a problem like the guy before me was talking about, very simple. 
two people on one side of the infield. You could have a third person straddling the line of second base, and two outfielders can be on one side or another. Mm-hmm. It's not overshifting. It's kind of bending it a little bit. Yeah. Like I said before, because I turned on the radio about a half hour ago. Yep. But a very simple approach to it. You, if they could even try it out for a short period of time, you see how baseball becomes a little bit more exciting like it used to be. This way here is too, it's, 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 it's too much. You're right. And even with the stats you were saying before about how many hits were taken away because of the shift, mm-hmm. that, that's fine and dandy. But that even going into play as far as the men- mental approach when you're up at bat where you, you can't, you're frustrated with the shift, so now you're hitting for, uh, looking for the home run. Yeah, yeah. You fly out, hit a home run, or strike out. Yep. It doesn't take an effect how much it affects the mental approach at the, at the, uh, at the plate with different things, you know? Yep. So Dominic, I get you. Vibe. Yeah. I just wish they would open it up like it used to be and players have been playing this since they were little league and now they now they have to change at the big leagues to kind of go the other way all the time. Players can go the other way. It opens up a lot of players can go, but for the most part, open it up and it becomes a more interesting offensive to offset the uh the uh how the how the pitchers have pitched and improved over the years yes. with how fast they throw. Yep. It and- offsets that and, and you have a better balanced game. Yep, Dominic, I'm with you. And how these pitchers go to literally laboratories to figure out how they can add one more inch of break on their breaking ball. How how Verlander, if he releases the ball, this is true. I can't I don't know the numbers, but if he releases the ball, let's say I think it was three inches higher on whatever pitch it was, he, he initiates more break. I mean, it's science is going on in pitchers right now. It's not just get up there and wing the ball to the plate and, and hope for the best. Literal science. And I got a great suggestion. Great suggestion on Twitter. This is from a guy at Mets Giants BK. His username, his profile name is Danny. How about this? This is a great idea because this also forces the manager to make in-game decisions. Not based on computer models. You ready for this, everybody? Danny suggests, how about... uh, He's missing a word there. But how about uh, limiting the number of times a game that you can initiate a shift? He said, not sure if you spoke about this, catching bits and pieces. Now, let's say you've got three shifts to use a game. And you know Joey Gallo can't hit out of it. So you want to use it every single time he's up at bat. I think that would be genius. I think that's exciting. I think that's a great idea. Limit the number of shifts or, or, or a lot a number of shifts that a manager can use at his disposal in any, in any game. And if it goes into extras, you can adjust it from there. But I like it. That is a great suggestion there, Danny. From, from your Twitter fingers to the owner's ears. Hey, welcome back to Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of it. High energy tonight. Some Some... Real passionate takes about the Knicks and the shift and the and, and everything and, and and the lockout and all that. I love it, and I'm just doing my due diligence here, to refreshing some of these these um these reporters to see if there's any word on any of these any of these meetings here. And nothing. I've got nothing. Literally nothing. Well, I guess the good news is that they are still meeting. I guess that's the good news. Um, you know, and, and while I was uh, sitting on the beach in Florida this week during my school's winter break, I finally had some time to actually like sit down and read and like concentrate on a book. 
the one I packed with me was one by Connie Carberg, actually, and she's the first female scout ever in the NFL. And if you're a fan of my show, you know that Connie came on, I think it was either the last draft season or the draft season before that. Um, I think it was last year. But she has a book about her life as the first female scout in the entire NFL and how she evolved into that role. And, I mean, it reads like a biography, but there are just so many hidden gems if you're a Jet fan. And it's got, like, historical undertones with such, I don't know, behind-the-scenes kind of Jet stories about the championship-winning Jets, including, yes, Joe Namath. And then um, this is not an advertisement at all. This is just me, you know, complimenting, you know, something I I think that you guys might like. So I'm going to go ahead and recommend it for you. It's called X's and O's Don't Mean I Love You, and it's by Connie Carberg. And um, I just recommend it to anyone that just loves like a, like a coming-of-age story alongside a Jets story. If you're a Giant fan, I don't think you're going to like it. Um, but a few of you on Twitter have already thanked me for the suggestion. So, um, you know, it got me thinking about something I tried around this time last year, maybe a little earlier, but I reached out to an agent of a well-known pitcher around here who right now pitches in a different city. You might be able to figure out who that is. I'm not going to tell you, but you might be able to figure out who that is. He pitches in another city um, at the moment. And I asked him if, through her, if he'd be willing to do a WFAM book club with me. Like, pick a sports-related book and, and give everyone, including you, the listener, like maybe a month or probably two to read them. And he discussed them on air. You know, not just like as a commercial for the book, but, you know, what, you know, we all read it. So what do you think about that? And how does that relate to your career and and all that? So I checked in with that agent twice more. And then eventually on on the third attempt, she said that he uh, declined the request. So I guess with the reach of this radio station at 7.04 p.m. on Sunday the 27th, this is my idea. I would like to start, I'm a teacher during the daytime, so I would like to start a WFAN listeners plus Danielle plus a professional New York sports player book club, as I just kind of outlined. So if maybe any players or coaches are are listening right now, Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Nets, Rangers, Devils, Islanders, or even the Liberty, this is is something that I want to do. So email me, danielle.mccartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, at odyssey.com. And I'm thinking maybe we can have like a different player pick a book each month or every two months because, you know, then it's a different, it's a fresh perspective, it's, not a huge commitment for any single player, you know, or any single team. Just with summer coming up, vacations coming up, I I think it's a great idea. Um, And I want to know, would you, the listener, be in on it as well? Uh, Because I think it's a pretty cool idea. But, you know, I came up with it, so of course I'm going to think it's cool. I wanted to run it by you first before I kind of reached out, I guess, to any of the teams. So, Danielle McCartan, WFAN, insert player's name in New York Book Club. What do you think? It's a little long. we got to think of a better name, but... I don't know. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Jim and Bayside, would you be in on my book club, Jim? Yes. You would be? Yes. All right, thanks. I'll let you know. Thanks for taking the call. Love the show. Oh, love the shows that you do. Thank you. Um, I want to answer your next question but sure. by asking you a question in a way. You know, the current narrative seems to be like, the Knicks aren't developing the young players because yes. Tibbs and style, and then maybe other teams do, which I don't really know the league as well. But, um, you know, after they dealt Porzingis, the, 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 everybody was saying the Knicks have to get it. They can't make any mistakes. They have to really do great in the draft. And my feeling is that, you know, 
I mean, I want to ask you, do you think it's the Knicks management just doesn't have a feel for picking players, or do you think Tibbs is not developing them? I don't know. I'm thinking Tibbs is saying there's really nothing there in a quiet way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't but, know. Uh, yeah, that's it, my fear. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I'm rooting for R.J. Barrett. Me too. Nobody's rooting for him more than I am. Oh, you know? man, and I don't he... feel like that was a visionary pick. He was kind of like the obvious next pick in that draft for yes. the Knicks. So I, I, I just don't see... I don't think they have a feel uh, for this current. I don't have a lot of confidence in the current management for for building talent. So that's my fear. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of, of everything there, Jim. Um, but you got you, you know, Obi Toppin was picked so high. He, he you can't keep him on the bench. I mean, you got to get him out there, or else he's like a draft bust potential. You know what I mean? Not saying he's a draft yeah. bust, but he has the potential to be if if you're going to keep his butt hammered to the bench. I don't know. I just you know, it's just it's 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 multifaceted. I don't know if there's an easy answer. Um, and I think in a way, Thibodeau is kind of self-preserving his own self too. Like you know, he's going to play these young guys and he's going to lose, and then he might be out of a job. Who knows? You know how it is here in New York. So I think he's trying to just. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I want to see the young plays too, but I guess you know, you know, it's like when when Christian Hackenberg was on the Jets. Everybody's like, why why don't they play in this guy? Can we finally see this guy? Because yeah. they do. I know. <laughs> Like, yeah, they weren't right. going to put him out there in a real game. And, and I just feel like, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Tibbs is to an extreme. But yeah, uh, but I still feel like, you know, he's just not seeing, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But thanks for taking the call. Yeah, of course, and thanks for making it. But, you know, and you look at, like, I don't know, and you look at these picks and, and you got Emmanuel quickly pick so high. I mean, Emmanuel quickly was picked 25th overall in that first round of that draft. Not to be outdone by Obi Toppin, who was picked 8th overall in that draft. So, these guys have to play. And maybe it's, maybe it, 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 it no, not maybe, it is. It's a big mix of, of, of all of that, which is unfortunate. And unfortunately, the, the, the management, uh, the upper management was not able to, sur- to, to give Thibodeau the talent in order to make Julius Randle not that number one guy, which we knew, everybody knows, everybody knows. Like you don't even have to be a fan of the Knicks to know that 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 um, Randle's not a number one guy. He, he's like a, a a good on a really good team. He's like a four, and the Knicks don't don't have that talent in front of them, and they they weren't able to do it in the off season either. So it's uh it's um it's a bunch of everything, really. Hey, uh, Douglas in the Bronx, would you join my book club? Absolutely, Danielle. Hello. Good evening. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Uh, I will throw a suggestion for a book. Um, my next-door neighbor, he lives in Fort Myers. He, su- he suggested this great baseball book, Big Sexy, the story about Bartolo Colon. Can you imagine if you got him on the air? Oh, my God. That could be our inaugural one. Yeah. <laughs> oh. a great title. Right, it's got a great title. <laughs> Bartolo Cologne. How many does, are his DMs open? Let's check this out. Oh, he doesn't even have Twitter. I don't know how I'm going to get in touch with him. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Michael Stahl. S T A H. S T A H L. That's the name of the author. So maybe maybe we could connect with him. And yeah, we got to figure this out. Happens. I just got a, a recommendation yeah. on Twitter that said maybe you can uh, do a partnership with Bookends in New Jersey. I think that's a great idea in Ridgewood. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. Oh, yeah. all right. Let me put out a, a little poll. Would you be interested? But go ahead, Douglas. What were you going to say? 
<laughs> okay. So I got two items about this baseball lockout that they really should try to address. I'm, I, I know this night has been focused on the shift, mm. but I think other fundamentals they have to focus on. How about, you know, this whole, this, the luxury tax, the CBT? There should also be a floor. I mean, there's mm. no reason that these, that these several clubs that they profit from pocketing the revenue sharing, that they reduce the payroll, mm. and they don't mind these ballparks being half-filled. I'm talking about, like, the, the Pirates, the Reds, the Rockies, you know, these clubs that they'll happily take all the revenue sharing, but they're not spending it towards mm. a competitive team. I mean, that's, there, there should be penalties there. Yeah, I, I would. You know what, Douglas? So I would. I would. I mean, I know it, even the eye test, but I would like to see where that money is going. Show me the receipts. I sent you a million dollars. Where did it go? You know what I mean? I don't want to go out and just blindly accuse these guys of maybe pocketing the money. I don't know, but I would like to definitely see where it's going for sure, and then kind of kind of move from there. Yeah, and I mean, and of course, from last year, you had the Cubs and Nationals willing to dump and decimate their entire team just to start over. And that's, that's certain. It's like, it was like a triple a club mm-hmm. in those respective divisions. And these are two top, these were playoff quality teams for the last five years until last year. So, and the other aspect, and I want to get your take on this. What's your take on the implementation of a pitch clock? I think it's um, a great I, idea. I think it's, there's a play clock in football. There's a shot clock in basketball. There's a, a serve. When you serve in volleyball, you have this number of seconds to do it. Yes, I like it. Yeah, I, I read an article on SB Nation a couple of years ago that they focused on two particular games. One, a Mets-Cubs game in 1984 and a Brewers-Pirates game in 2014 because they had similar statistics uh, and similar aspects to each game. So... The 2014 game lasted 30 minutes longer, and they figure, how is that? Is it commercials? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, is it replay reviews? No, it's the pitches in between. It's the time where the downtime, downtime, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a few seconds, they all add up. So with a pitch clock, and that article, it uh, and I read this several years ago, but it certainly convinced me that a pitch clock would certainly speed up the pace of play because um I, that 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 down because the average time i believe per game is what close to three hours if not over yeah like, i think it's i think that, i remember seeing like 320 i'd have to double check that though average as michael k would say he would say an unmanageable three hours so and so minutes uh yeah it, uh, the nine inning long. game in the 2021 regular season lasted three hours and 10 minutes it's too much yeah too much. it doesn't seem like that long ago it was about 240 or 250. That's that's, a dramatic. uh, And of course, the constant changes uh, of uh, the uh, bullpen and the specialization. We just saw it in the World Series, the specialization of pitching. But uh, I mean, uh, and and to your point, I agree with your take on the shift. I mean, the rules that they change in baseball, they happen almost every time. And we just came across a year where they had to limit the manager that this, uh, the reliever had to pitch to three batters yeah, uh-huh. before. Yeah. I mean that the idea where a manager could just take off, take out a pitcher after one hitter, it drove me, it drove me nuts in the past decade. So at least they sort of constructed that rule sort of. in order to prevent that. Sort but of. yeah, a limitation of the shift 
I'm all for because we need quicker pace of play and more action. Yeah, and you know what else too, Douglas? And, and that's a good suggestion. But you know what else that does too for the pitcher? You can't think it all the way through. You, you know, time runs out and you have to go. And uh, I guess it's going to be that pitch. And maybe you make a mistake, and boom, more excitement, more. You know, it's a hit. It's more exciting that way. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Like maybe you didn't exactly get the sign into the catcher. Oh, oh well, here goes nothing. Pass ball can be generated. I mean, there's so many possibilities with that. So I like it. Yes. Let's go to South Amboy. Jim, you're up on the fan. Danielle, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine, thank you. Danielle, I will be shocked if they ever do anything about this ship. Look at how much money the cheating owners cheat the batters out of the ship. Just take Freddie Freeman, 29 extra hits. How much more is that worth to him a year? How many years? It's the same if everything this crooked commissioner does is against the hitters, yeah. against the game, against the game, and against the fan. That committee has six six owners, two players, an umpire. Let's throw twenty four fans in and see what the twenty four fans think will be the game. Yeah, Gordon had the, the crooked commissioner on. He asked him the perfect question. The perfect question was about. Taking the strikes with the machine out of the umpire's hands. He didn't ask it that way, but he asked it. Let the machine call the strikes. Well, then you have walks. Then you might have a base hit. You have a little excitement. People might want to watch the game. But this guy, he doesn't want to do it. He wants every pitcher is Greg Maddox. Mm. And I'll tell you, it's really exciting watching 27 guys strike out a game. 15 and 12, 14 and 30. It's, Danielle, which side, what do you think is, is more exciting? Watching the, the batter after they strike out, walk back to the first base side or the third base side. Everything this commissioner does is about, about speeding the game up, taking the money out of the batter's pocket mm-hmm. and putting it in the owner's. You're right, and, and that's and Jim. That's a, that's a point that uh, Scott Boris made too when it was uh, Bryce Harper's time to hit free agency, and he he made that argument. And at the time, I was like, "Yeah, well, then Tish Tellman hit the ball the other way." And then you know what? I'm, I'm learning, and I listen. I didn't have this this metamorphosis overnight. I mean, this is not. But when Derek Jeter tells me on October sixth, which was just a couple months ago, he volunteered. I asked him about other things, and he volunteered that information. Derek Jeter says to me. And they need to ban the shift. And I'm paraphrasing there. He didn't say those exact words. Um, you know what? Let me let me get the actual direct words just so we are crystal clear here. Derek Jeter said, person to me, he told me in October, he said, personally, I don't like the shift. Get rid of the shift. I didn't ask him about that. He volunteered that information. So that that night I was kind of like, well, Derek Jeter said it. Well, then maybe he's got a point. And then, and then Joey Gallo came out and said it. And then I saw the article on The Athletic, which was by Jason Stark, which was amazing. You should read it. Uh, highly suggest it. And then I'm like, you know what? This is something I feel pretty passionate about because I can't go to a baseball game. It's just, I love baseball, and it's just boring. It is. It's boring. 4,802 hits were taken away by the shift. I mean, come on. All right, let's go to Syosset, New York, and Bob, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been listening all week. I listened to the fan a lot this week, and I've just been very interested uh, 
the conversation has been all about baseball. So in a way, I've gotten a baseball fix this week. That's what I'm trying. Uh, I'm sorry. I said that's what I'm trying. That's what I. <laughs> and uh, the, the, today we went to the shift today. So you've been talking about the shift, and, and there's so many subjects to talk about. So I'm not going to. I mean, I've just been listening all week, and I've enjoyed the fans. I've enjoyed the hosts. It's been great conversations. But this, is, I would like to bring up this point, um, if I may. Sure. And the simple point is this, because I've been thinking about this, and I kind of came to this conclusion, mm-hmm. that I, don't, I wouldn't mind, you know, a 14-team playoff system. I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because um, the uh, owners, you know, want the money, and the players want the money. And supposedly, from what I've listened to this week, there's a lot of money in the playoffs, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the thing is, that the reason I want 14 instead of 12 or 10 is because with the 14, you have the three division winners in each league. And then the four battle it out for that last place anyway. Now, previously, I would always think, well, listen, you've had 162 games to figure out who's the best team, why we don't need a lot of playoff teams. But but I also would like, and I love numbers, and I love jumbling numbers and things. So this is a very mm-hmm. simple solution to be able to play this extra whole round or two of playoffs is I would be willing to easily go down to 154-game season or 146-game season and right. let those four teams battle it out. Mm-hmm. And the very easy way to do it is that you eliminate the year because each, each team plays their division, you know, 19 times each. So you eliminate either two to bring it down to 17 or you eliminate four to bring it down to 15, which would mean you bring it down to 154 or 146. So then let them battle it out at the end of the season. So to, so to speak, it's sort of like the end of the regular season, but under the playoff format, there's a lot more money. Not that they wouldn't pack the houses anyway in the, in the stands during the regular season, but this guarantees packing the house because now you, you really do have 14 teams and you got competitive balance because now you're going to have more teams in it right. to win it. Right. So, what yeah. do you think about? No, Bob, I, I think it's a good idea, and, and I don't know. I guess I mean there's probably a reason why the players are so steadfast in their their 12 team proposal rather than the owners' 14 team proposal. But yeah, it's not a bad idea. And uh, hey, guess what? James Harden, in the two games that he's played in, for the 76ers, has had himself had himself a time. Are, are you missing him yet, Nets fans? Are you feeling a little? Seller's remorse, as they call it. In fact, Friday night, James Harden did something in his debut with the 76ers that he had never done. Never. Not once. As a Brooklyn Net. We'll talk. 877-337. Hey, welcome back to... Danielle, I don't know, at dinner time or carton before midnight. Um, apparently, my idea of a book club is uh, is very well received. I did not think it was going to go this well. I mean, 80% of you guys on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, said that this is something I should try to set up. All right. I think my first call might be to, to uh, oh, I don't know. I don't want to say anything. We'll see. Well, I'll see what I can do to get this done. Uh, also, an update from Jupiter, Florida. Not Jupiter the planet, Jupiter the Florida. Uh, Chelsea Janes has said negotiations are done for the day, back tomorrow. Also, Evan Drelich, Drelich, it's uh, Croatian probably, Drelich. He said that the MLB 
sorry, he said MLB and the MLBPA plan to meet again tomorrow, the day of the deadline for the owners have imposed for the season to start on time. Meetings are over for the day. No updates. So as soon as I uh, see anything, I will be sure to bring that your way. Um, I asked about James Harden real quick, and we'll get more back to your calls. Uh, you know, many eyes around here were watching that that uh, 76ers game Friday night because it was obviously James Harden's debut. And in his very first game with the Philadelphia 76ers, he did something he had never done, not even once, with the Brooklyn Nets. He logged a plus-minus of 35, a plus 35. And the highest he ever scored as a net was a plus 33. And there wasn't a single other game that he went north of plus 30 as a net. And he did it. He had a, a two-year high, I guess it's considered, with a plus 35 as a 76er. And if you are not familiar with that stat, it's okay. What it is is it measures how the team did while that specific player was on the court. So I love it because it's a neat little number to measure any player or group of players' efficiency. So Harden's plus 35 from Friday night signified that the 76ers outscored the Timberwolves, who are not terrible, by the way, and would be a playoff team, right? Could be. The 76ers outscored the Timberwolves by 35 points when he was on the floor. And I just looked for the, for the Knicks game, too. Harden, plus 19. That means the 76ers outscored the Knicks by 19 points when Harden was on the floor. And after his Philly debut, Harden said, is a quote, for me personally, I had to do what was best for my career and help myself be happy, end quote. I mean, ouch, like he wasn't happy here. Are you, Nets fans, deep down happy that he's elsewhere? Let's be honest with yourself. Are you missing him yet? Because since the deadline, your team is, I think, three and six. And since his last game as a net, your team is three and nine. And now, Hart's got a little extra motivation. And uh, right now, it hasn't been, I mean, Shams, I told you about the report Shams had before that uh, New York City seems to be lifting the the restriction on, on March 7th. But it's confusing to me that Kyrie Irving could, could be a fan at the Barclays Center, but he can't play. So unless that changes, Kyrie Irving's eligible to play in just seven of the Nets' remaining 21 games. 33%. Are you missing James Harden yet? Really, be honest with yourself. I think you are. Uh, okay, let's go to Stony Brook. And Michael, you're up on the fan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm trying to guess the pitcher okay. that you invited and their agent said no. Are they uh, Arizona Diamondbacks by a chance? Is, is he? Was he an Arizona Diamondback? Is he currently? He is not currently an Arizona Diamondback. And I don't know who it is. Uh, who are you thinking it was? <laughs> well, I was, so I Googled female baseball. Agents? Agents. So <laughs> you said she yeah. declined, said that he declined. Uh-huh. And I came up with Lonnie Murray, who represents uh, two Diamondbacks, one last name Ohio, one last name Lopez. No, no, this was a, a a former New York pitcher that is now pitching elsewhere. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. I tried, though. I really You did. Are you a detective, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> no, just bored. <laughs> hey, I'm not boring. Uh, no, it no, was, no, uh, I didn't mean, I didn't mean I, you. I just said, you know. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I don't know. Should, should I say it? I mean, it's not a big deal. Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to get in trouble. Um, no, because you know what? That's not a big deal. So he um, he posted a picture of, oh, the lights just went out in here. 
maybe I shouldn't say this, <laughs> but uh, he posted a picture of, um, I don't know, on a hammock, I guess, one day last year of, of a book. And it was like, you know, one of those, like, I don't even know what it was. And I was like, oh my God, that would be really cool if I wanted to do like a, like a book club with him and include the listeners and the whole thing. And um, I reached out and she said, well, I'll get back to you. You know, sounds like a good idea. And very nice. It was all very, it wasn't like he shut me down. It was just like, you know, he, he doesn't yeah. want me at this moment, but yeah. it, it was, uh, it, it, it was Noah Syndergaard. Oh, okay. I'm surprised he reads. <laughs> stop it. Oh, stop it. Um, no, yeah, it was Noah Syndergaard. So I checked in she said, check in a little bit in like a month or so. So I checked back in. She was like, oh, let me run it by him again. And it was like, no. Nah. And the third time I didn't want to, you know, third time, just, you know, that's it. <laughs> you can't ask more than like three times, but, um, yeah, yeah it was Syndergaard. And you know what? It kind of gave me the idea to kind of do it moving forward. So, uh. I, I'm going to cool. try. I'm going to yeah, try to get it done. Like and it doesn't have to be like, a, you know, and he'll pick the book or whoever wants to pick the book. And then we just kind of read it and we talk about how, why you pick the book and like, you know, why does it apply to your life and, and all that, you know. So. I think that's a great idea. Thanks. Appreciate that. So, yeah, it I was. Wish a, you luck. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll see if we can get it together. I don't know. You know, a lot of people listen to this. So we'll see if anybody knows knows a guy that can get it done or a girl that can get it done. Because, you know, it's summertime, people go on vacation. I figured. You know, let's make it meaningful reading. You know, don't read any crap. Let's read some good stuff. That's a great idea. It's something different. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm always trying to be different. And I'm a teacher during the week. So obviously there's a little emphasis there. And and, and any kids that want to call in, you know what I mean? Get them reading books. Because Noah Syndergaard said so. You know what I mean? It ties it in nicely. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, thanks, Michael. And uh, there's the answer for you. It was was Noah Syndergaard. Nothing mean. Nothing mean-spirited. Just... You know, either didn't want to do it and couldn't get, get, get it together, you know, whatever, whatever it was. No hard feelings there. But it gave me the idea moving forward now. Maybe we can revitalize it and change it and make it better. Who knows? Hey, let's go to Mike in New Jersey. Mike, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm good. How, how are you, Mike? Good. Before you said Noah Syndergaard's name, I was, like, racking my brain, like, who could it be? And yeah. he, his name actually popped into my head. I didn't even bother, like, Googling whether he had, like, a female agent, but I just, that's his name that popped in my head. Yeah, look at you. Good for you. Yeah. I've got two quick points for you. Yeah. One on James Harden on the Nets, another one on the Knicks. Sure. James Harden, I think he wasn't, I think no one, I don't think most people don't feel bad because he didn't want to be here. So if you don't want to be somewhere, you're not going to play good. Well, here's Make the up. thing. Yeah. And, and I get it. And we talked about that, Mike. And, and you know what? If, if management sat him down and said, listen, you know, you weren't going to be the number one option. It's just by circumstance you are. But look, Kevin Durant's going to be back within the next whatever X amount of days. You know, Kyrie Irving, who knows about the, you know, there's ways that you can kind of reason with a guy like that, I think, in my opinion. There's ways to get around that. And about the next, how do you think they can make it through the fourth quarter without running out of gas? What do you think the problem is there? Um, I th- I believe the problem is that it is a bunch of guys that are just gassed out and and just tired. Honestly, and, and you can kind of see it when in, you know in, in the effort and rebounding and and you know the willingness to, to run down the court with the, the run and gun sort of style. Um, I just think it's that, and I think that if the guys had a better sort of rotation, you know, if the coach had a better rotation of guys and keep everybody focused on keeping everybody fresh, I feel like they wouldn't just fizzle out in the fourth quarter. I mean, to me, that's the only explanation. I mean, I understand if Tibbs doesn't want like the young guys in at the, like for crunch time, but if you would play them in the first half, yeah. The other guys wouldn't be gassed out by the time. The, he has to spread out his Exactly. Lineup. Yeah, that's what I think. Yep. I think it's mainly coaching and maybe a little bit of self-confidence on some of the players' part. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know what, Mike? When I was a player, I was a uh, I was a basketball player. I played a guard, and for whatever reason, and my coach figured it out. Like I got gassed in the first quarter. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. Maybe the adrenaline of starting the game, the whole thing. But I got gassed. So she would sit me like the last I don't know three minutes of the first quarter, and I was good for the rest of the game. I was good. So it's just the, I guess a coach being in tune to what the players' needs are. And yeah, um, he, yeah, he needs to work it out better. Yeah, I agree. And my good good question there and good call. Um, it's just, you know, and, and I almost want to wonder too, like how hard are they practicing? Cause that's another thing too. Like before games, I mean, obviously we're talking high school level here, but I had a really good coach who just retired, but, um, before games, we would just kind of do like walkthroughs. I'm wondering what the Knicks practices look like on, on days before game days or the morning of, or, you know, I, I want to know how hard they practice too, because there was a thing about Alex Rodriguez. I read one time or did I hear it? He said it maybe that. He used to take uh, you know a, a ridiculous amount of swings before games, and he kind of felt kind of. I'm paraphrasing this whole thing, but it, there is truth in this that you know in the cages he used to go crazy in the cages before the game, and then he wasn't happy with his performance on the field during the game. So what he did was he he cut down on the number of swings before the game, and he saw a, a little bit of an improvement uh, improvement during the game. So I'm wondering, again tying this back to the Knicks, how hard that they practice whether it be the night before the game, the day before the game, the morning of the game, and and maybe try to amend that because it's not working. To Staten Island we go. Jose, you're up on the fan. Hi, how are you? Good evening. I'm good. How are you, Jose? I'm doing fine. Listen, I agree. They should have a salary cap. Honestly, they should. But you're doing it the wrong way. You should get the teams that that have $40 million payrolls, $36 million payrolls, start off to spend off $60 million because they're pocketing the money anyway. So if you don't have the fans after two years, then you move the team. The floor, I feel bad for Florida. I feel bad for Tampa. If they can't get the people to come out there, then guess what? They don't deserve the franchises out there, and they should be moved to someplace that really do want a team. Yeah. You know, because honestly, what they, like they said, what are they doing with the money? Well, if you make it mandated that they have to spend – Sixty million the first year, and every two years another ten million, making seventy million. Doesn't have to go over a hundred million. We don't want that. Fine, uh, as where everybody at least has a time frame where eighty million is is the minimum amount a team should spend. Yeah, you know, it's not bad. On what you know, and, and the mistake, and I, my cousins are in Tampa, so I the mistake that they made in building that stadium was that it's not really in a good area. I think, I, I mean, he loves the Rays. They, they they love the Rays down there. I think so. I mean, he's about my age. But it's, it's, it's the stadium is just, there's no, there's no bars around it. It's just the stadium in the middle of kind of nowhere. And I think that's exactly where they went wrong in building that, that place. The bad thing is that whenever New York Yankees or the New York Mets go to Florida, whether they're playing Florida oh, yeah. or Tampa, yep. they, they have more New Yorkers they're cheering for them than their own team. I know. I've been there. So, been there for one. I know. Yes. And uh, trust me, I see it in spring training. Yep. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But, you know, that's 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 a whole kind of another thing there, Jose, for sure. Uh, let's go to Steve in Long Island. You're up on the fan. Good evening. Thanks for taking the call. Of course. Thanks for making it. So I, wa- I wanted to uh, talk about the shift, and I think, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it's great because, you know what, teams have to adapt. Coaches have to adapt. It makes you think. It's like getting rid of double team in football or trap defense in basketball. Teams have to adapt. And 
just like in baseball, go the opposite field, hit it over the guy's head, whatever you have to do. But the problem is these guys, if it's not a home run, they don't care. That's where the game has changed in the last 30 years. It's not the shift. It's the mentality of either hit the long ball or strike out. I'm wondering, though, I'm wondering, right? So you're a batter. You've got six fielders playing center field, right field, all the right side, the whole field. Okay, six fielders, seven fielders out that way. And you're wondering, like, oh, my God, like, do I have to hit this out for for this to be – for this to land somewhere? Does it have to go out? Just the psychology of it, you know, and I'm wondering to what degree that psychology kind of affects things. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't have that well, answer. I was never a major league hitter. I don't. I don't know that answer. But obviously, I'm not either. But <clears throat> if you're a wide receiver and you see uh, Darrell Rivas and a safety coming over the top, mm-hmm. you got to figure a way to get open. If you're a point guard and you got to bring it up the court, and now this guy's playing trap defense, got to figure it out. That psychology is the same thing. It's. I understand the intimidation factor, but. If you're a major league hitter, you can't punch it down the third base. You can't hit it to um, left field. I'm just what thinking I'm that. Is, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying I think there's an argument there that, like, this is where you have to adapt. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But when I see a quote from Freddie Freeman who says, uh, "Long the short of it is I, w- I, I would do it more often. He said it's not that easy. If I wish it was or I'd do it more often, you know, I, I kind of believe him. You know, and it makes me want to believe him that it, maybe it's not so easy because these. I'm telling you, these pitchers go to labs where they they dissect their release point and everything, and it's just. I think we're discounting how great the pitchers are, and I know the batters get paid too, but I don't know. Then they then that's every right to get. Then they have every right to to make the shift and have the have, have the batters get out. It's not meant to be games of you know. Nine eight, you know, there's nothing wrong with a two one game. Yeah, but when it's a two one game and there's one home run and eighteen walks and I mean eighteen strikeouts and three walks, I mean that that's when it gets to be a little. I don't mind a two one game. Oh, the best game I ever coached. It was one nothing final score. It was awesome. The game within a game with the pitcher and the catcher. You know, putting the ball in play, making good plays, double plays. You know, all that. That's one of the best games I ever coached. Was that? But the way that baseball is being done, it's it's not. It's not fun. It's not fun to watch, and it's not fun to be there to, to, to witness. All right, so this this might be your last chance to get aboard at 877-337-6666. Uh, maybe an update on the the meeting between the Players Association and the owners today. Maybe we can get something for you on that, and um, and uh, we'll take it home. We'll take it home on the shift, on the Yankees, on the Mets, on anything you want to talk about. Um, hey, phone lines are open, 877-337-6666. Welcome back into the final segment here of McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan of New York City. And I, as promised, I told you I would uh, hope to have a, an update. Um, nothing. I got I got nothing other than the fact that they plan to meet again tomorrow. Uh, Chelsea Jeans, uh, quote tweeted herself, the original one said, negotiations are done for the day, back tomorrow. And then she wrote a quote tweet that said, in parentheses, more to come. So um, she is uh, the, the national baseball reporter for The Washington Post. Evan Drellich is a senior writer for the Athletic. Those are kind of the two that I've kind of, uh, kind of keyed in on, as being you know boots on the ground, you know the whole thing. So uh, I will uh, of course uh, be tuned in to them throughout the rest of this week. I, I'm back with you guys for a doubleheader 
um, next Saturday, I think 11 p.m. I- I- I'll get it for you in the next 10 minutes or so. So uh, with that said, let's do it. Let's get our last segment in. 877-337-6666. There is one phone line open. It has your name on it. Oh, and a quick uh, quick little update on my, I think the poll ended. I always do short polls because I, I need to know the answers right away. Mm, would you, final results, would you be interested in a WFAN Danielle slash listener slash professional New York player book club? Is this something I should try to set up? 73% of you said, yes, this is something I should try to pursue. All right, so let me see what I can do. And uh, I was thinking, I don't want to make it like one book per month because that's a little ambitious. So maybe one book every two months. I think that would be all right, right? All right, uh, in the order that you called at 877-337-6666 to Staten Island we go. Joe, you're up on the fan. So, I mean, the most profitable sport in this world is soccer. They have a soft cap, so... I don't understand what the misconception is needing a hard cap to be successful, like, you know, um, you know, sport, major sport. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, baseball has always been a sport of hit it where they ain't. You know, God, God forbid they shifted against Tony Gwynn. The guy would have hit 500, right? So let, let, let these professionals get used to hitting the ball to the opposite field or wherever these players aren't. I mean, they're getting paid this money to do this. I understand that. But I also, I mean, Tony Gwynn retired. I mean, he, he didn't play in the era of this this analytics, not in terms of, like, you know, all launch angle and all that. And, and of course, oh, Tony Gwynn, one of the best ever, Hall of Famer, 15-time All-Star. I get it. Um, but he wasn't pitching against guys that were literally in laboratories with you know, X-ray cameras and, and, and trying to figure out the, the mechanics of pitching. I mean, I just think that the proliferation of the pitcher has definitely – contributed to this and not knocking yeah, but, Tony Green whatsoever at all. Hit it where they ain't. I, I mean, that I, right. Growing up, it was hit it where they ain't. But also growing up, a hit up the middle meant a hit up the middle. Nowadays, it doesn't. Yeah, but that's fine. But you got to go opposite field, okay? Go opposite field. Drop a bunt down. Make them play you different. Well, it's baseball. That's the problem with baseball is nobody wants to play baseball anymore. It's home run or strikeout. Well, Joey Gallo, by the way, did uh, through at least the end of August lead the league in bun hits. That that's first. Um, but it's very difficult when the pitcher hammers the uh, the upper in you know corner of of, of the strike zone. You, you can't do much with it. You really can't. I mean, these these are excuses. These guys are the best in the world. You're telling me they can't go opposite field. Derek Jeter made a career taking the inside pitch the opposite way. Mm, and yeah, and De- he made it all the way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and guess what? And Derek Jeter told me on August 6th that he wants the shift banned. Because so. these people can't play with it right now. They're, they're prima donnas. Uh, that, no, I don't, I don't think that's it, Joe. Here's the quote from Derek Jeter to me on August, I mean, October 6th. He said, I didn't ask. He volunteered the information. He said, personally, I don't like the shift. Get rid of the shift. So, I know what kind of weight Derek Jeter's words carry around here. There it is. Scott Manahawkin, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? I, I was, uh, you got a great show going. Oh, Love thanks, listening Scott. to you when I catch it. Appreciate it. Um, just real quick, everybody defending this shift, I've just been, I'm an Uber Grubhub driver, and, and I'm driving around like screaming at my phone. <laughs> well, I'm glad you picked it up and called. What do you want to, what do you want to tell them? <laughs> Tell him, Scott. Well, 
No, I'm telling you, the only one that made sense was the dude that tweeted in about the, uh, you know, putting an account on them, like three, yeah. three shifts and you're done. Isn't that a great Love idea? Love that idea. Me too. But, you know, you were talking about like offense and defense earlier. And, you know, because of the shift, pitchers love it, blah, 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 blah. So, unlike the other guy whose compromise was do it my way, not your way. <laughs> I know, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think he was the guy who broke up the game in the, like, three innings and three games last week. Was it? But, was it the same guy? I, th- I think it was. He's oh. very condescending. But, <laughs> but um, oh, no, I was thinking, and I thought this back when the whole uh, spider tack crap came out. Oh, yeah, and we didn't talk about that once yet, Scott. Good for you. Yes. And and eliminate <laughs> here this is a compromise <laughs> give the pitchers back their spider tag and eliminate the shift you're going to let it within reason like we don't want Phil Necro out there but you know let them do what they're going to do they've been doing it for years get rid of that crackdown eliminate the shift you're going to have more action people are going to watch the games it, it's just anyone who's defending you're not changing a rule like that guy. Ah, oh, you're changing a rule. No, there's yeah. no rule change. You're just making. You know, it's just like in basketball when uh, I'm having a brain fart. But what's his name was throwing up 100 points a game, and it's you know they had to make a rule to change the game because yeah. the outcome was detrimental to the game. Right, and and, like, and of course it was tough at first, but then you know what? You adapt. You adjust. Right. And, and and this is not and, a total adjustment. This is literally just going back to the way it was when you were playing when you were a kid. Going back to the unwritten rule, there's two infielders on either side of second base. Right, I know. You keep you keep them on the dirt. You got your three outfielders in that. The number one person who sets the tone of defense on the field is the pitcher. Yeah. Like if the pitcher's hitting his spots, then he's hitting his spots. Like moving people all over the place just totally ruins everything. Yeah. No, I uh, I get it, and Scott, and and I I understand. I totally get it. Just go, look, look when, when we were kids, even still to this day as a coach, I tell the kids, put the ball up the middle. Put the ball up the middle. Put the ball up the middle. It's a hit every time. It's a hit. It's a hit. Obviously, the pitcher is standing there, but you know what I mean. Now it's not a hit. Now there's now there's a third baseman is standing behind second base. What are we doing here? I don't understand. New Jersey, Frank, you're up on the fan. Hi, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, how are you, one, Frank? Number, I'm pretty great. Uh, number one, not in favor of the shift at all. Number two, uh, going to bring up an old word, word in baseball. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the owners and players aren't in collusion uh, in this respect. Uh, players don't like spring training. Yeah. Uh, they realize they need a couple of weeks to pitches to get going. Give the players 10 games in spring training games, they'd be perfectly happy. I think we're going to get a mid-April Opening because of the bad weather. A lot of games are postponed early in the season because uh-huh. of bad weather. They know it. They can make the games up in the later of the season. So I think both sides know exactly when this thing is going to get settled. Probably not for another, at least another week or so. Uh, and the other thing I want to ask you about, any word on if OBJ had any surgery since the uh, Super Bowl? And that's about it. Great talking to you. Yeah, and thanks, Frank, for that. And, and uh, yeah, o- Odell Beckham Jr., I think uh... – the very next day, according to his Instagram, I, I don't follow him, but sometimes he does come up. Uh, I think it was the very next day he posted, this was uh, five days ago, uh, he has a picture of um, his brand new baby, 
and his wife gave birth and his pitch, his leg in some ridiculous, like non-movable thing. So yeah, he had surgery. She had a baby. It's been a whirlwind five days for, uh, for Odell Beckham Jr. So, uh, trying to think, I'm trying to read this. It's a long post. Yeah, if you want, it's on his Instagram. It's it's the most recent post on his Instagram. He celebrated after the game and, uh, yeah, had the surgery not long after. Yep. All right, Mike in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, nice to hear from you. Listen, I don't know how much you followed the Nets last year, but after they made the trade of Jared Allen, Nick Claxton was so good. They said, okay, they don't miss, maybe they don't miss Jared Allen that much. And they had a player, Aleezy Johnson, who came out of nowhere when Claxton got hurt. There was a game against Detroit, 20 points, 20 rebounds. And the Nets, for some reason, just got rid of him. And now Nick Claxton is in the doghouse. I don't get that. Why are they so down on a young big man? You know, I don't know. And and Jarrett Allen, he, I couldn't, I mean, I guess I could, but I couldn't believe that they were willing to part with him. I was like, what are they doing? He's a, I, I thought he was a great player. He made that off, uh, he played a little defense. He cleaned up the boards. He made that thing tick. And unfortunately, uh, they let him go, and and look where they are. They they kind of mortgage the future, and look where they are. The big three is now a big one and a half. It's kind of crazy. But the Drummond, Drummond is it, the, was the better part. They talk about Seth Curry, but Drummond's it because he that all they talk about. Oh, he doesn't play defense, but all he does is he, he gets twenty rebounds every game. Yeah, they needed a big man in the worst way. And let me tell you something. I think they knew and know. I think that that uh, Joe Harris is not coming back. Seth Curry, I think, was part and that that deal would not have gone without Seth Curry being in that yeah, deal. Yeah, he's, he's been good from. Yeah, they should be good. Also, one more thing, Danielle. Yeah. I want to let you know. Has anybody told you and I, I, half the time I can't tell the difference between you and Laurie Rubinson? What's that? I'm sorry. I was talking to the producer. You, you, just sound, to... you, you sound just like you and Laurie Rubinson oh. sound exactly alike. Oh, thanks. Anyway, it's great. Nice to talk to you, Danielle. Yeah, Laurie's coming on a little bit later tonight, I think, actually. 10 o'clock, I think she's thanks. on. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. He did that. He did that. It wasn't me. <laughs> wow, what a what a whirlwind of a night. Uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things, and, and Odell Beckham made his way into, into the conversation just now as well. Um, we talked around and around and around about the shift. Uh, I don't think it's uh, – listen, initially I was like, listen, these guys are professional hitters. They need to learn how to hit it the other way. Uh, you know, go with the pitch. Outside for for years, three years I've been on this radio station saying that, and then something changed for me on October sixth when Derek Cheater said that you know he volunteered that the information that that the shift they need to ban it, and he said personally I don't like the shift, get rid of the shift, Derek Cheater, and I was like, wow, well if he's telling me that, then all right, there's got to be something to it, and then I came across the article uh, by Jason Stark in the Athletic, and and I highly recommend you read it. Especially if you're like me, was someone that that did not, you know, subscribe to that philosophy that okay, the shift should be banned. And I'm not saying ban it; I'm just saying amend it. Like I don't want to see six guys uh, on one side of the field. And, and by the way, this was all exacerbated by the fact that Joey Gallo brought it up again. And since there's no, you know, real baseball news, then kind of got you know amplified. So I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad, you know, we came up with a really good solution. I didn't. Danny on Twitter did, and he said, limit the number of shifts that you can use during a game. Awesome. Gives the power back to the manager, because everybody, you know, accuses the, the managers of just following a computer all the time, and I think, I think that would be a good solution. So, I think we made some headway here. 
I think we made more headway in this three hours than, than they did all day down in Jupiter, Florida. But, you know, hey, thanks to all of the callers. You know, I could not have done this without you. I love coming here. I love talking with you on Twitter and all that and on the phones, of course. Um, and, and hey, maybe maybe tomorrow there's some breakthrough in, in Jupiter, Florida. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And if you missed any portion of today's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 5 p.m. Great job to, to first Connor Green, Brian McKee. I'm beginning at 6 o'clock behind the glass today. And to Pete McCarthy on the updates. And you got another Danielle doubleheader next weekend coming your way. Saturday, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Sunday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And in the meantime, you hit my social media at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Coach McCarthy. We'll keep the conversation going throughout the week. Let's go baseball. Let's get a deal done, everybody. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. Hey, it's Gio, and I just played the lottery on my...